Ladies and gentlemen, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Report. It is Wednesday, the 25th day of April 2018. You, you know, when you look at the number of days uh, President Donald Trump's been in office and you look at the number of days that the special counsel, uh, the obstructionists, the, uh, the the people attempting to destroy the, the presidency and take take just to take him out is it's just incredibly oppressive uh, it's a, it's amazing it's amazing that uh, president trump gets anything done uh, and has gotten anything done from appointments to to uh, uh to well to any kind of initiative and that includes of course the most recent recent initiative i got a question for you joe i got a question for you i need to know this i need all to right. know all right daca basically was uh, is was formed from an executive action or an, at the executive level, not a law, right? Well, right. Obama did this as an as an executive action, right? And and around Congress to right. uh, grant citizenship to undocumented immigrants. No illegal, illegal immigrants. immigrants, right? Now, here's my question: How can a federal judge? Uh, rule on something that that was established by executive fiat. I don't know. Okay. In other words, they get away with half of what they do with their judicial activism. So so when you look at this in the larger sense, look. What kind of precedent does this? There's no law and order anymore. It's gone. The, the rule of law at this point is gone. And there's an article on everyone report dealing with this from Fox News, right? Um, right. Laying out how the George Bush appointed federal judge Tuesday ruled that Trump's decision to rescind DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival program, was unlawful and must be set aside. John D. Bates is the judge's name. Yeah, yeah. And, and now it's interesting because I read the ruling. I, I, however, I can't get past the the, the 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 fact that this was just created out of whole cloth by the by at the executive level and, and then ruled upon by a judge. But when you look at the ruling, the judge essentially has given the uh, the, the Trump initiative all of the ammunition in that ruling. The judge basically told, in my view anyway, the judge basically told Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, to to do this, this, and this, and and you know, we'll, I'll rule in your favor. However, how can you rule against it when it's not a law anyway? That's just that well, just this blows is, um, my mind. You know, I forget who the guest was that we had on a while back, but he was uh, he hit on something that the Obama administration did. In regards to changing how laws were were made, and this allowed the uh, through the Federal Register laws to be created by government agencies, from the FDA to the EPA, by 
issuing them through the Federal Register, meaning they could uh, expand upon uh, or build in new subsections to laws and create laws without any congressional approval. Now, we know the the, uh, powers of the executive branch and the laws that can be created through the executive actions and executive orders, but my question is, which is supreme, a judge's ruling or an executive action? Obviously, if an executive action or order is unconstitutional, that the Constitution is the document that everybody should should be the guidelines. This is what everybody should go there by. There it is. Yeah. But we have unconstitutional rulings, ruling upon unconstitutional rulings, solidifying it into law, which this, this is what the whole system of checks and balances were created to discourage and to keep away. But it's doing the opposite right now. Okay. And, folks, understand where we are, and this is why I let off with this. In my view, this is important news because we are headed for numerous constitutional crises in in the coming days. Numerous constitutional crises. You've got these migrants, as they're called, from the caravan starting to reach the U.S.-Mexican border. Wait a minute. I thought that was stopped. Well, no, of course, in advance, and in my view, in advance of these liberal judges, these liberal rulings, these unconstitutional or super-constitutional rulings that are coming full force. You've got uh, uh, President Donald Trump back a couple of days ago saying that, you know, I've instructed our, our DHS not to let the caravans into the United States. And then you've got... Um, President Donald Trump ordering, appropriately ordering, uh, border officials to block the migrant caravans. Mm-hmm. And then you got in in the timeline, you've got Judge John D. Bates, his ruling requiring a full restart, meaning evil, even illegal immigrant dreamers who'd never been approved before would now be able to apply for DACA. Yeah, they have to um, continue to accept right. the applications. Right. And, and and then well, one more thing, and then you got these pro mass immigration Koch brothers who th- threatening the GOP pass amnesty for illegal aliens or lose our money. Did not hear that. Okay, yeah, by that's via Breitbart, and then you know, so the, this lawlessness in in money talks, you know, in this case, uh, the, the reason I bring all of this up is because we are we are witnessing a in my view a series of constitutional crisis crises shaping up and we are going to see and i'm telling you i said this on my morning show yesterday we're we're going to see blood in the streets this is this we're shaping up to see blood in the streets um and just but, real, real by quick the way the DACA. uh but by the way i want to just mention that i'll turn over to you uh we're audio only night we have uh we had uh, eric detected a marvelous job he was here half the night last night and all day today um if hardening again our end but it was on the it was in the spectrum our internet service provider because we're pushing out so much bandwidth we could we could light up uh you know half a city with whatever i mean if bandwidth was electricity we could light up half, half a city uh, but, but it was the internet service provider's issue so we're on audio only night until we until tomorrow then we'll be back up but go ahead well just real quick on uh, i just opened up the ruling i had not read it earlier it just reminds me of how this whole thing started we talk about it as an obama executive order <clears throat> or action but in 2012 then secretary of homeland security janet napolitano issued the 
DACA program, which allowed certain undocumented aliens who had been brought to the United States as children to be treated as low priorities for removal under the federal immigration laws. The Secretary's memorandum said that these young people generally lacked the intent to violate the law when they entered the United States as children and only knew this country as home and had contributed to the country in significant ways. So this wasn't even really an executive action. This is exactly what we were just talking about, the head of a federal agency creating policy and law yep, yep. through the Federal Register. So this, I mean, this is not. E- this should not even be... Uh, you're right. It's it's crazy that they have... Um, that the judge here how can a has judge legitimized rule? this. How, how can a judge rule on yeah. this? Um. No, I, I just I, I don't really understand how how the judge has the authority, constitutional, the legitimate constitutional authority, to even rule on this when this was the whim of a Marxist Muslim in the White House. If they can do this, they can limit free speech. They can take away the Second they Amendment. They are. can you know abolish the Fourth Amendment yep. through the Federal Register and judicial rulings. Yep. And there's so much news on the um, Comey front. On the uh, my yeah. goodness, um, there's just so much news. Judicial Watch. Uh, there's a report up on Hagman Report from uh, yesterday afternoon. Judicial Watch. Yes, Comey broke the law. He was stealing government records and leaking them. This is a great article. There's also a video. Uh, by a Michael Chapman, who says that the FBI director Comey took the FBI memos that he wrote about conversations he had with President Donald Trump and leaked them to the New York Times in 2017. He committed a crime for which he should be indicted and potentially prosecuted, says Judicial Watch's director of investigations and research, Chris Farrell. You can go to cnsnews.com to watch the video, but they document the code, which Comey has violated 18 U.S.C. section 1924A. I think I think we which have Petraeus was that. prosecuted under. Yep. And also, uh, don't forget that Comey also said to Jake Tapper over the weekend that he would make himself available to testify against a prosecution of Andrew McCabe if that came up. So, are both the deputy uh, director of the FBI and former director of the FBI in legal hot water? Absolutely. And I hear there's a uh, Strauk, more Strauk page messages coming out as early as tonight from Sarah Carter. Heard that on Sean Hannity's show on the way over to the studio today. Interesting. And, and don't forget, you've got uh, uh, Daniel Richmond. It's interesting how Daniel Richmond, who is the BFF of James Comey, had special access to FBI databases. And this is coming out, folks. Again, the constitutional crises that, that exist ahead of of us are just astounding. And, and there's just so much going on. You know, given the fact, and I know that this is, uh, th- this, when you mention this, when you mention Alice Day, April 25th, I didn't know what that was. Okay. Well, yeah. If if you, and I'm going to tell you right now, Joe, and and listeners, and viewers, look, there's a lot of uh, misinformation, disinformation, and a lot of hyperbole, and a lot of lack of hyperbole or understating what what this should be. Last year, there was an article, Alice Day, April 25, Pedophilia Pride, and um, uh, but, but to cut to the chase here, people there there are. There are websites and, and, and people who are saying, oh, that's just, it's all, it's all bogus information. It's not true, not true, not true. But when you start digging into this, okay, regardless of what you might 
read, you know, for example, a uh, fact check on Snopes. Well, you know, that's kind of a mixture. Does Alice Day really exist? And what is that? Well, that's, you know, um, it's the Pedophilia Pride Day, Alice Day. Um, you say that the, the you know, Pedophilia Pride, Pride Day. Day. Right. That was not a mistake. Well, no, but but to throw all this out for us, we asked uh, Liz Croken, who on short notice actually, and uh, she's been gracious, gracious, yeah, gracious enough to give us some time to explain this and some other things. Liz Croken, welcome back to the Hagman Report. How you doing? Do we have her? Or did I did I make a mistake? Right there? Oh, there, there, we, go. there we go. Yeah. Hey, Liz. Hey. Oh, sorry, guys. Hi. How you doing? It's it's been a while, and thanks for coming on short notice. But but this caught this caught our attention this morning. And and uh, what's the deal with this, Alice Day? Well, you know what? Um, this is this is nothing new. I mean, there's been a movement, and people aren't aware of this. And I wish people more people would wake up to this, especially people in the gay community. But there's been an active movement in the gay community to legalize pedophilia. And there are people within the gay community who want to turn LGBT into LGBTP. And the P would stand for pedophilia. And, you know, this, this movement is, is bigger than you would think. And there's groups such as NAMBO that promote man-boy love and pedophilia and all that stuff. And I mentioned the gay community because there are there are groups within the gay community that are pushing very hard for this. And this is this has been going on for a very long time. And I just wish that more people in the gay community who are against child rape would speak out about this kind of stuff. But there are some really brazen people, you know, within the gay community that openly support pedophilia. Yeah, it's unfortunate, Liz, and we saw, you know, this was some of the arguments that people would make when we were talking about the uh, allowing homosexual marriages to be be legal, that this would, you know, uh, that this was what this was going to lead to, and and many people pushed back against it, saying it was a stereotype and it was, you know, statistically untrue, but now, uh, you know, here we are, we see this push to normalize pedophilia. And it's becoming an epidemic, especially with the availability of computer technology to, uh, you know, the CGI to even sex dolls that they're making childlike uh, in other countries and even here Uh, in America. How do you see this moving forward? How are they going to be able to convince the American public, if at all, that this is an acceptable behavior? Well, they're they're working really hard at it, and I mean, you know, I study this every day, all day long. That's all I do. So I just every day I see the signs, I see the red flags, and I see how they're trying to normalize it. And there's many ways that they're trying to do it. And you know, one of the ways they're trying to do it is they the whole refugee crisis and the migration crisis with Muslims was part of their agenda to promote pedophilia. Because there are a lot of Muslims, I'm not saying all Muslims believe this, but there are a lot of Muslims who not only believe that they should be able to marry a 12-year-old, they actually have married a 12-year-old. And there has been an active movement to bring these thoughts and bring people with these thoughts into Western civilization. So we've had Muslims who have married children who have then migrated to different countries in Europe, and those countries have made exceptions for them to be married to a child and raping a child. 
And so that's, you know, that's part of how, they, in a backhanded way, um, you know, you, the New World Order, the Deep State, whatever you want to call it, has been trying to push pedophilia upon us. You know, another way they're trying to do it is through entertainment, Hollywood, and through the mainstream media. Um, the mainstream media, like, are constantly they're publishing articles saying, you know, like, there's, there's, there was one headline, I think it was in Salon, I'm a pedophile, but I'm not a monster. You know, I mean, Facebook, just recently, they had a survey, you know, asking people if they're, if they're comfortable with pedophilia. And if yeah. they're, you know, if they're comfortable with, with adults having sex with children. And, I mean, my Lord, we know that Hollywood has put literal child rapists on a pedestal. You know, Roman Polanski yep. would be Exhibit A. The guy was arrested and charged for drugging and raping a child. And the Academy then gave him an Oscar. And he still sits on the board of the Academy. And the guy had to flee the country to escape prosecution, yet Meryl Streep gave him a standing ovation at the Oscars a few years ago. So, you know, this has been glorified and glamorized by the mainstream media, by Hollywood, by deep state entities, politicians, because many of these people are engaged in pedophilia. And let me just... This is just off the top of my head. Let me just bring this in because I just this is something I just learned this week, and I think it's really interesting. But I've always said for years now that look the closest at people screaming the loudest against Trump because the people screaming the loudest are the ones that have the most skeletons in the closet, and many celebrities that are screaming the loudest against Trump are tied to sex trafficking and have engaged in sex with children, minors, Okay. And Cher mm-hmm. has been very outspoken about President Trump, calling him every name in the book, hysterical, just total, total craziness, right? And this week I was looking into Cher, and someone brought this to my attention on Twitter. Anthony Kiedis, who is the lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, she publicly went on the record with a magazine and said that Cher and him had sex when he was 13 and she was about 39. I saw that. Yeah. And she was supposed to be babysitting him. And she, she publicly called out Roy Moore and accused him of being a pedophile. And we later learned that his accuser was a fraud and the whole yearbook signing was a fraud. And, you know, they, they, I believe those claims are all debunked. Um, and Cher had the audacity to accuse him of being a pedophile. Well, if Anthony Kiedis, according to an interview he did with an, it was an Italian magazine, if, if he's telling the truth that Cher had sex with him when, when she was, you know, almost 40 and he was about 13, hello, that makes her a pedophile. So, yeah, you, you know, you, it, it's just, it's Liz, just crazy can, how... Hey, jump in here. If I can just jump in here, you laid out, uh, you, know, you said the even how tied in how illegal immigration is being used to to normalize pedophilia. The mainstream media, Hollywood. I want to bring this issue up. Uh, Backpage.com was recently shut down, and it has come out that the uh, two co-founders were charged with 93 counts, I believe, yeah. uh, from prostitution to human trafficking. And we saw something really unique, which I want to ask you: Is this going to cause a, a fraction uh, from the extreme in the extreme left with the women's march? Jumping on the bandwagon, saying that the taking down of Backpage was a you know a, a strike against women uh, sex workers' rights, ignoring yeah. the child trafficking aspect of this. Do you see this yeah. uh, as a problem for the Democratic Party? 
and the people oh, who support them. Oh, it's a huge problem because, because the Democratic Party is becoming the party of pedophilia. You have the woman's, the verified woman's March Twitter handle literally complaining about a website that was fostering the rape of children. Like, if it, it doesn't get any more sick than that. This is their verified Twitter account. So what they're basically saying is we care more about the rights of legal prostitutes than the fact that there are thousands, if not thousands, hundreds of thousands or probably millions of children being raped because of this website. We care more about legal prostitutes and their rights than we do about children being raped. That's what they basically are saying. And it's a huge problem. And people are starting to wake up to this pedophile agenda and understand what's going on. You know, thank God. But it, they have very actively, there's been a huge movement. And I want to make this very clear because a lot of people tweet this to me and they're like, oh, this is not, you know, pedophilia is not a Democrat or Republican issue. Well, there are pedophiles reg- registered with both parties, okay? Like, Absolutely. you can find pedophiles in any group, unfortunately. However, Democratic policies are enabling pedophiles. It's not conservative policies. It's Democratic policies are enabling pedophilia, and they're fostering sex trafficking. Read the border, um, the immigration laws. You know, lax immigration and lax uh, 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 an insecure border enables traffickers to more easily traffic children. And so it's the Democratic poli- Democrats' policies that are, you know, enabling pedophiles and fostering sex trafficking. So it is political. So for yep. people to say it's not political, it is. And they're dead wrong when they say that. And it seems the the gra- these behaviors seem to gravitate to the these powerful circles, whether, you know, Republican or Democrat, the whole political uh, media complex it seems th- these people seem to gravitate to this but i want i want to ask you this liz you had uh, broke some important details in the latest uh, on this Allison Mack, this Hollywood actress who was involved in a th- thank you for doing for 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 your intrepid reporting on yeah. that by the way yeah, yeah and I- it's something that the the media is not picking up on it's not just a a sex cult what what else have you found out about this Allison Mack and this uh, uh, Mr. Rainier? Well, Mr. Rainier is an alleged child rapist. The U.S. Um, District Attorney from New York sent a letter accusing him of raping children that were as young as 12. So that no one in the mainstream media has covered that except, to my knowledge, the Daily Mail. Last time I checked, last time I checked was last night. Um, the Daily, and, and by the way, the Daily Mail, good for them for covering this, but even in their headlines, they made it seem like it was consensual sex. Well, a 12-year-old can't consent to having sex because that's a child. The child cannot consent to having sex with an adult. So that's called rape, you know. And so even though the Daily Mail, I commend them for covering it, they still got it wrong. And, and child sex crime victims find it very offensive when they read headlines like that. Now, Allison Mack, she has pending charges for trafficking children. On the yeah. official document, it says that she was there was two charges related to trafficking not adults, children. And what the mainstream media did is, well, first of all, they didn't cover it. So when Keith Rainier was arrested, CNN didn't cover it, MSNBC didn't cover it. Most outlets in the mainstream media didn't even cover that at all. 
which is insane because this guy is a very wealthy guy connected to very wealthy elites around the world. Billionaires like Richard Branson, uh, connected to celebrities like Allison Mack, obviously, connecting connected to people very close to the Clinton, connected to board members of the Clinton Global Initiative, um, connected to heiresses from wealthy elite families. I mean, I could go on and on and on all day. I mean, and mainstream media said nothing, okay? And I've been saying for two years now that not only is the mainstream media not talking about pedophilia and child sex trafficking, particularly with the elites, they are actively covering it up. They are actively lying to us about Pizzagate. They're actually actively lying to us about sex trafficking. I mean, CNN came out and said, Roseanne's a conspiracy theorist for saying that President Trump's taking down child sex trafficking rings, the pedophile rings, and for, you know, that, that's what he's been doing. They call her a conspiracy theorist for saying that. And, like, right after they call her a conspiracy theorist for saying that, the President Trump's DOJ took down Backpage. And you guys know that I've been reporting for two years that one of the first things President Trump addressed when he got into office was sex trafficking. So they're just flat out lying about it, and they're covering They're actively covering it up. And I think that when push comes to shove, that people within the media that actively lied about sex trafficking, I think that they should, they're accomplices to this. I think they should be criminally charged. No, and, um, we agree. We uh, we agree. But by, by the way, I I, I want to just interject here, Liz. Um, for the folks listening, follow Liz Croken at Liz Croken on Twitter. LizCroken.com dot com is her website. There's a link to her PayPal. Support Liz Croken. Uh, you can. You, there's a link to support Liz Croken on Twitter. Okay. So so y- what you're hearing here, folks, is not what you're what you're hearing in the mainstream media. You're not going to hear this, and, and many in the alternative media will shy away from this topic because of its oh jeez we can't talk about it or you know for whatever reason so I just want to make sure I got the thank you in there for the for covering uh, this and for being out ahead of this you're two years ahead of everyone else and so so I just want to say thank you and by the way we're going to forego the bottom of the hour break to give you an extra minute or two here so go ahead Joe uh, what you're well, going to ask uh, first I want to ask before uh, this gets away from us Liz where can people how can people support your work um, you guys can, well, just following me supports my work, like retweeting, you know, my stuff, like anything from my website, LizCroken.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I have, I, I have a YouTube channel that I started using more actively because so much information is coming out now with sex trafficking. And so I started doing more videos and I have a PayPal, um, which Doug mentioned and, and a Patreon. So there's many ways you can support me. And, and I, and this is a spiritual war, which you guys fully understand and most people get. And I'm constantly under attack. I'm constantly getting sick. I mean, whenever I do a big interview about satanic ritualistic abuse, something horrific happens in my life. Like right before I'm supposed to do the interview, I, I'll get violently ill or just something crazy will happen. And so I appreciate prayers because, it, it, you know, this is a spiritual warfare. Yeah. And, I'm exposing a lot of uh, evil, and so I'm just constantly attacked, whether it's in the mainstream media or, you know, by absolutely celebrities yeah, the- with millions of followers on Twitter. <laughs> you know, it's, but it is what it is. It, it comes with the territory. Um, so, but you know, I want people to understand that, you know, so many people are all oh, PCGate is fake, blah blah blah. No, PCGate was never fake. It was it's never been debunked, and it's not a conspiracy theory. But I want people to understand that the takedown of the sex cult and the rest of Keith Rainier and the rest of Allison Mack, that is Pizzagate. 
that is what Pizzagate is. And this is what Pizzagate is. And this is what it always was until the mainstream media twisted into something it wasn't to make me look crazy and anyone exposing this look crazy. But Pizzagate was always about a global network of elites that are raping, torturing, and sacrificing children that are Satanists. And there's a global network of them that are doing it, that operate in rings, and they're all connected. And Pizzagate started with the Podesta emails, and it was called Pizzagate because Podesta, in the Podesta's emails, they used code words for pedophilia, and Pizza's one of them. So that's why it was called Pizzagate. But it was always about this group of elites that are engaged in the trafficking of children. And if you read the Podesta emails, you can see the code words, you can see how many people um, he's emailing with and others in his network are emailing with using these pedophile code words. And they're from all over the world. And they're all, you know, wealthy people and they're in the 1% club. And that's what it was always about. They shifted that to say, the the deep state, the MSM shifted that and said, oh, how ridiculous is Pizzagate? They're saying that this global pedophile network is run out out of this like little pizza shop in D.C. No, that was separate. You know, James Alphonse and Common Ping Pong was separate. He is connected to Podesta and he does promote, he actively promoted pedophilia on his Instagram page, which is private, but there's still screenshots you can find if you search his name. James Elephant's comment ping pong. He called babies hotards. He used pedophile language like chicken lovers. He sexually exploited children on his Instagram page. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. It and. Now, you know, just to be clear, however, just because we live in such a litigious society, yeah. just to be clear, he's never been charged with anything. He's, no. you know, yeah, exactly. Okay. And I'm not saying that he is a pedophile. But right. what I'm saying is he promotes pedophilia on oh, yeah. his face. That's it, it, a fact. Yeah, absolutely. I, so, I have no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and not only that, the bands that perform at Comet Ping Pong, again, people can go on YouTube and Google heavy breathing and, and Comet Ping Pong and performances, you know, at Comet Ping Pong. They joke about pedophilia. They laugh about raping kids and, you know, how Jared Fogel liked little kids. And I can't remember yeah. all the disgusting things they said. But yeah, they, it's they, they joke about it. They And they... It's sick. It's sick. It is. And you've done in, in that one paragraph, Liz. I, I believe you've done more for the uh, the understanding of people to explain what Pizzagate is and what mm-hmm. the mainstream media uh, purported it to be. And for that, man, I thank you because that really needed to be said. Yeah. And, and thank you for that. Absolutely. And I also, you know, for a while, because the, the, the media was pretty successful in, um, they were very successful in immediately, like, putting fire, the fire out with Pizzagate. They immediately were pretty successful with queening Pizzagate as a conspiracy theory, queening as crazy and ridiculous. And, and so I actually do that, Liz. And I'm sorry for interrupting, but you made the point. They were able to do that because they focused everything around, as you said, that, that pizza shop. Exactly. Which, and that was just one aspect of it, but they made it at the center of the whole argument. Exactly. But, Liz, we're and out of time. And then they turn themselves into victims of the false flag. So I stopped using the term pizza gate for a while because they were so successful at it, and I used the term pedagate, but now I use both pedagate and pizza gate because 
I was like, you know what? Not using the term Pizzagate is letting them win. And pizza is an official pedophile code word. There are people getting arrested for buying child porn using the code word pizza. And I'm like, let it not using Pizzagate is letting them win. So I still use the term Pizzagate. And I encourage others to use it because people need to know that pizza is a code word that pedophiles use to traffic kids. And I think that not using it is is letting them win and appeasing them. And, you know, even Trump's Department of Homeland Security, when he first got into office, they released the PSA in 2017 about sex trafficking. And the first thing that they say in the P- PSA is that there's signs of human trafficking everywhere and they show a pizza shop. That was President Trump's administration's way of letting us know Pizzagate is real. Okay, and, and they're, they're constantly it. showing us we we got to keep you in in our prayers, and we got to keep the president and his agenda in our prayers, especially for focusing on the child sex trafficking. And we thank you so much for joining will, us. Will you come back and, yeah. and for a longer period? I know this was short notice. Yeah, and I still apologize absolutely. for that. Okay. Yeah, we, we I'd could. love to talk about Kanye when I come back because um I I know him and the, the Kanye story is just so entertaining. We'll we'll yeah. get to that next time. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, we'll have John Bookie again because that that by itself, man. The, mm-hmm. I know you could do, uh, man, you could do hours on that. But uh, you're you're on the tip, you're at the tip of the spear on this, and we thank you for everything you do. And and really, folks, we urge you to support Liz Crokin. Follow her on Twitter, LizCrokin.com, PayPal, and Patreon links uh, on both the uh, both the websites. But man, thank you so much for your, for your gift of time. I know it was inconvenient for you to come on a short notice but thank you no it's perfect i just i was free so it worked out so thank you so much it's good to be back on and i will talk to you guys soon all right thank, thank you. you liz okay. keep up the great Take work care. Bye. all right everybody that was liz croken and a uh, good call john on, on bringing her in on on today uh, such an important message and and this fight is a fight that's never going away and we have to uh, be strong in this fight because it's such a hard thing in the spiritual war at the core, as Liz said, we have with us now a uh, Floyd Brown, a returning guest from the Western Journal, becoming one of our favorite sites here at the Hagman Report. Uh, the Western Journal, westernjournal.com, is a great site that is fighting the narrative of the mainstream media uh, with uh, truth. And I don't even want to throw it in the alternative media category, but it does. It is creating such an impact uh, with the alternative media and pushing out against the liberal insanity and mainstream media lies. Mr. Floyd Brown, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Oh, it's great to be back with you, and and you're right, it's it's a daily battle, and at its core it is spiritual, because it's the battle between truth and falsehood, and really the mainstream media is engaged in a pervasive campaign to make the country more left-wing, and I've told people many times when I speak if you just drink in what the left-wing media has for you, if you just read Time Magazine, watch ABC, CNN, uh, then you'll become a liberal by osmosis. To become a conservative, you have to walk a different path. You have to uh, listen to the Hagman Report. You have to read westernjournal.com. You have to walk a different path and think for yourself because the mainstream media just feeds up this, you know, as Donald Trump says, fake news, and says, believe it. And, you know, uh, Floyd, we see 
so much happening in, in today with the uh, administration of President Trump and the fighting against that. We opened the show by talking about uh, something that well, wasn't really on our radar, but my, my dad uh, mentioned it, and this is the DACA, what the, the federal ruling, latest ruling on DACA. We know DACA was started by Janet Napolitano or, or through executive action. It wasn't even a law voted on by Congress, and now a uh, Bush-appointed federal judge has ruled that uh, that the pushing away from DACA has to be set aside and the Department of Homeland Security has to uh, continue to accepting uh, continue to accept applications. As my father said, how can a judge rule on an unconstitutional executive order basically creating it into a law? How does this work? Yeah, it's a, it's it's a farce and it's only because Congress has allowed the judges to run amok. I mean, the truth is is that they are one equal part of government. They're not a superior part of government. Uh, when our founding fathers wrote the Constitution, they created an executive branch, they created a legislative branch, and then they created a judiciary. And uh, really, somehow through uh, our, uh, our our history, we've allowed this judicial supremacy, we've allowed the judicial branch to claim this mantle of being above all of the other branches, and it's not constitutional, uh, and, and it's outrageous. It was outrageous that uh, that DACA wasn't start, stopped by uh, the courts from the very beginning because it was unconstitutional from day one. And uh, the, uh, the the truth is, is it violates law that's been written by the Congress and signed by the President of the United States. We have immigration law. And this is outside the bounds of that. And for a judge to, to try and, you know, continue to enforce this, enforce it, it's just, it's, it's beyond outrageous. And that's why people have to get involved and they have to make their voice heard because the elites, and I, I would put most of uh, these judges in that group, the, the elites just want to rule the country irrespective of what the people think. It's the People's House, the Congress, the U.S. Senate that's in control of legislation. If they want a DACA-type program, then they need to go into uh, their respective houses, write a bill, and pass it, and then send it to a president who's willing to sign it. This whole thing got started because Congress didn't like uh, the, the idea of DACA, so Obama created it out of his own, you know, uh, just out of his own power, and uh, it's continued to go on because it's been empowered by the judges. But it's it, it's wholly unconstitutional. Uh, it's wrong, and uh, um, you know, Congress is continuing to show just how ineffective it really is. Yeah, yes, they are, and this is why the. Uh, the judge, the appointment of federal judges of, of people who are going to uphold the Constitution is so important. They really are the infrastructure of this deep state, and we see well, that they I, have been would, on the wrong. So show I history. would argue Congress needs to do their oh, job. Yeah. You know, yeah. but but, but uh, by not doing yeah. it, they're leaving it to the the judges and allowing the judges to to go hog wild, kind of uh, along the it, same train of thought. Uh, Floyd, the Mueller investigation. Since the last time you've been on, we saw the raid of Michael Cohen and his uh, personal, his office's personal hotel room, and now we have the president bringing on Rudy Giuliani. 
Was the raid on Michael Cohen unconstitutional in your opinion? And do you think Giuliani will have any positive influence uh, for President Trump in this Mueller probe? Yeah, well, this Mueller probe from the very beginning, uh, you know, it, 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 it was created in such a crazy way with uh, the attorney general really not doing his job and, and, and being in control of the whole process. It should have been, you know, killed from the very beginning. But, you know, it, it has spun out of control. Um, the Cohen raid was outrageous. I don't know if it was unconstitutional, but it was it was clearly outrageous. And it shows clearly how um, the the. Um, uh, the uh, administration isn't really in control of the government. I mean, the uh, Justice Department is supposed to be part of the executive branch. The executive branch is under the president. It is it is run by um, you know a secretary or an attorney general in the case of the Justice Department that is a member of the cabinet. And what what these people have done is tried to create all these convoluted ways that that there's these extra powers that exist somehow that aren't based on the fundamental uh, constitutional law that our founders wrote, and that's why it's it's so frustrating. I, I you know I I really feel for President Trump because you know he, he's got all of these people biting at him and and and. Um, they haven't. They never even gave him a chance. I mean, they literally were investigating him before he was even sworn into office. Uh, the system is out of control, and, and it needs to be reined in. And really, it's Congress that needs to do it. Um, and the attorney to... general should do it in the case of Mueller, but but Congress. Uh, continues to show that they just don't have any guts. None of them want to take tough votes. None of them want to do anything. And uh, um, you know, so uh, so this 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 cancer has metastasized, and it's it's really causing damage in the country. It is. I mean, and not only that, they're too busy, you know, trying to create laws to uh, protect Robert Mueller from being fired instead of. Uh, you know, doing these other things and being productive. It, it has turned into a completely political, politicized uh, a weapon that they have used against Donald Trump illegally, if I might add. Exactly. Yeah, and, 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 and we've seen that the state just doesn't um, adhere to its boundaries anymore. It used to be that we could have private conversations as individuals. But now, you know, using the power of the NSA, they want to listen to all of our telephone calls. Um, and, you know, our social media is tracked by Facebook and Google, and that information, um, mark my words, ends up in the hands of the NSA and the Defense Department. So, you know, where we used to have things like attorney-client privilege or, you know, there used to be a notion that you could go to confession and confess your sins, with without the government, you know, getting between you and the priest, government has no boundaries anymore. It's 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 becoming an oppressive state that tracks you, that knows everything about you. And then when you have these limits, like attorney-client privilege, they violate them all the time. Uh, it, it you know these the the whole FISA. Um, 
the court. I think that's been shown to be a joke uh, when, you know, Hillary Clinton's campaign can write a uh, an, an op opposition research report and somehow the FBI gets a hold of it and uses it to get a FISA warrant and starts listening to communications at Trump Tower during the middle of a presidential campaign. That is a system, by definition, that's completely out of control. Amen. Amen. Our, our guest is Floyd Brown, WesternJournal.com. And to segue from that, or to actually to just transition, uh, I, I saw your appearance March 23rd on Tucker Carlson. It was the best with three minutes of television, I think, in the last 30 days, um, as you discussed not well as you discussed Facebook in this case and, and social uh, well the, the, the Facebook censorship censorship in general and I think that the crimes that have been committed uh, to me Facebook Twitter and all the social networking they're they're covering these crimes through censorship as well as the of course the conservative ideology and I think you made some great points on that so you know if if you don't mind just just kind of segue into uh, your latest articles and, and and your uncovering of of Facebook the censorship and what we're what we're into right now my goodness yeah yeah well uh, whether it's Google or Facebook or Twitter. Uh, they, they've all three uh, been involved in pervasive censorship of conservatives. And uh, we did a study of, of this uh, earlier this year where we, we, we definitively proved um, using third-party evidence how um, they had, at least at Facebook, greatly diminished the reach and engagement of conservative content and uh, in fact, uh, when Mark Zuckerberg went up and testified before Congress, uh, Congressman Scalise, the, the House Whip, asked him about this, and uh, you know he played dumb like he did most of the hearing. Uh, it, it was a, one of the most least informative days when Mark Zuckerberg was sitting before the U.S. Congress, because uh, you know that he he would he he could just play dumb and no one would would push him on anything. The, um, the but the truth is is that is that whether it's uh, conservatives posting content on Facebook or whether it's the search results, there was a, a fabulous article on Breitbart today uh, about a study that had been done on search results, which showed that by creating negative search results for conservatives and positive search control search results for liberals google was in it was in fact influencing elections and they definitively proved how google is you know causing a certain percentage of the population to vote differently based on the way that they do search results uh, i mean i don't know if you realize this but earlier during last year's presidential campaign when you went on google and you typed in, you know, presidential candidates. On the first page was Hillary, Jill Stein, and Bernie Sanders, and you didn't even see Donald Trump in the search results. And when he would do things, you know, try to search on the scandals that Hillary had been involved in, whether the email scandal or uh, the other, you know, Bill Clinton sexual scandals, none of this was 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 easy to come by using the Google search service because they're manipulating search results. 
But everything negative is highlighted in these search results. And in fact, when, when you you know just, just go to Google and type in the word Trump, and you're going to see a whole list of negative things uh, that are going to pop up before you even make your search. This is the way that these tech giants are using subliminal language to impact people's minds. Uh, Facebook, uh, you know, Western Journal really started as a as a, a blog, and uh, and then it became a multi-blog, and then we 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 kind of you know slowly became a news publication, and and during that process, a lot of our traffic came from Facebook, and uh, uh, the the truth was that until you know about until Trump was elected, conservatives flourished on Facebook and there was a number of conservative websites and organizations and 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 people that were able to really get their messages out on Facebook including Donald Trump all of that has changed since Trump is elected and the reason I believe is because Mark Zuckerberg is being blamed for the election of Donald Trump and so he's embarrassed in front of his friends out in Silicon Valley who all hate Trump and so he has joined the team along with Google and Apple and Amazon and these other tech giants to just demonize Donald Trump demonize conservatives and make it difficult for them to reach a, a broad audience I mean yeah. It's unbelievable. You know, Jeff Bezos buys the Washington Post. What's he do with it? He turns it into almost a screed against Donald Trump. And um, it, it, it's, it's, it's astounding to me the way these tech giants have uh, uh, become kind of a de facto elite that now want to rule America. And they're using all of their power to do it. And, and it diminishes our ability to speak in the public square if you're a conservative uh, sir i've got to ask you uh i've got to ask you this you and i are, are within a few years of each other in age have you ever seen anything like this before in your adult life or in your lifetime what we're seeing today i mean what well, the environment well it's it's ch it's changed i mean when I, you know i'm i'm 57 and uh, i was born in 1961 and so when I became an activist, when I was just getting started, when I was in college at the University of Washington, I was uh, the leader of the uh, YAF chapter there, Young Americans for Freedom. And, and the truth was, at that time, in Seattle, we had three um, television stations that were assigned with the network, and then we had one that was an independent station. Basically, there was four television stations in the entire city. We had uh, two newspapers at the time, the uh, Seattle Post-Intelligencer, uh, which is now gone, but it was the uh, morning paper, and the Seattle Times, which was the afternoon paper. And th the truth is, is that those were gatekeepers that kept conservatives out of the public square. In order to get conservative message out at that time, some really innovative guys like Richard Vigory and uh, uh, another is uh, Bruce Eberly. They came up with this whole concept of direct mail 
and they started using the post office to get conservative messages out because they couldn't do it through the mainstream media and through these television stations and and, and, and what have you. Uh, so, you know, there there was this attempt to control as gatekeepers uh, the media, but um, what we've seen is. Now, while that while the power was disseminated widely across the country, it wasn't nationalized. So you could have you know local affiliates, uh, local TV stations that would have a conservative point of view, and in many places there were those. The problem with what we have now is Facebook. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I read the Pew study on uh, the, the the latest Pew study on uh, the news because. Forty-five percent of Americans, that's almost half of Americans, get their news from Facebook. Of those 45 percent, half of them, or 25 percent of Americans, get 100 percent of their news from Facebook. This is a media concentration like we've never seen before. And um, so... So, you know, while the the left, the establishment, the people with money have always controlled the media, it's never been concentrated in this in this in this few of hands. The other thing that we didn't have back then was this survey, the ability to survey or surveil everyone. I mean, we were incredibly free because there weren't, you know, Alexa's in the corner listening to what we had to say or these Google devices which I you know I encourage everybody do not put those devices in your home they listen yeah. to you 24/7 um and and it's it's it, it's frightening but um the, uh, the the and even your smartphone your smartphone listens to you all the time and yeah, it's uh, not Facebook it's Google if it's not Google it's something else. These applications have uh, have been given wide access because of their their terms of service, and this is one of the things that Zuckerberg testified to was the the very vague nature of the terms of service, and that he understood when creating these apps and these permissions that it, it was done a to confuse people and b to get people to uh, basically uh, be so confused by it that they'll agree to it, not understanding what they're agreeing to. And this yeah, giving well, them let, the permission. Me, I want to get back to your question because you asked me a very important question. Have I ever seen it like this? And my answer in the in the in the very final analysis is I have seen the elites always try to control conservative ideas. You know, the, the elites love to use the power of government to make more money for themselves. And they've been doing it for a long, long time. But I have never seen the tools that allow them to um, to do it so pervasively as these tools that have been developed out of Silicon Valley. So that's my answer. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. We saw a very important answer, too, given today's environment. And the weaponization, because you, sir, have been victimized by the web. You've been, you've been victimized by the weaponization of social media, the choke points created by the, by the elites, by the powers. Uh, I mean, you're, you're, 
westernjournal.com. Uh, and folks, visit westernjournal.com. Don't just visit, but bookmark it and pay particular attention to what, uh, Floyd Brown has written there specifically, Facebook and such. But man, I'll tell you something. It's, uh, the choke points created here. What's next? I mean, it, it, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be quiet and, yeah, it's, it's hard to for your know. wisdom. It's you know? Hard, hard. you know, I think that actually it, it seems like a cliche to say this next election is the most important of your lifetime. I really felt that way in the in the in the fall election between Hillary and Donald Trump, like it was the most important election and, and, and Donald Trump had to win that election for America to be safe. But I really feel that about this congressional midterm election that's coming up. Uh, many, many if, do. Yeah, if if the Democrats are able to once again grab con- control of Congress, they are going to impeach Donald Trump. They're going to try and use this constitutional process uh, as a political tool to continue to divide the nation. And remember, the division of the nation really happened under Barack Obama because despite the fact the left tried to claim he was a unifier, all he did was try to divide people. I mean, um, he ridiculed people. He said we were clinging to our guns and our Bibles. uh, And he was a very, very divisive person culturally to the nation. He did not bring people together. And Donald Trump, ironically, has been trying to bring people together, but the reaction from the left has been so vicious and so uh, nonstop, he, he hasn't had a chance to bring people together. So what they really want is to grab con- control of Congress and then just pound him for the next two years so that they can make sure that uh, Donald Trump loses the presidency two years after this election. So this is a very important election. They're hoping that conservatives are, you know, uh, you know, asleep at the wheel. That they all think, hey, Donald Trump's elected. We're all safe now. Um, no, the swamp is as dangerous as ever. Uh, the fact that Republicans control Congress uh, is not the solution. We have to have, basically, the Freedom Caucus needs to control Congress before we're safe. And uh, uh, the, the the powers that be in the nation's capital, if they're going to be checked, Donald Trump has to be reelected. And if Democrats can, tra- can, can gain control of Congress... I have a feeling that they're going to so destroy Donald Trump that he's not going to have a chance to win that election. Remember, the impeachment of Bill Clinton came after he was reelected, not before. And uh, that's why uh, uh, it's so much more dangerous now. Good point. And it's always been, since day one, it's always been about the impeachment of Donald Trump and the reversal of the will of of the American people. That's what it's always been about. Am I right or? No, that's exactly that's all it is. Okay. Um, you, you know, I my wife quoted something from Susan Estrich recently to me uh, that that uh, was really interesting. Um, I, I forget what the issue was, but they were they were asking her, you know, um, a, a question, and she answered this way. She said. 
you know, you believe in principle, but I believe in politics. And to me, that was such an insight into the minds of these Democrats. You see, we, as Christians, you know, we believe in principles. Uh, we, as Americans, believe in principles. The left, they don't anymore. They believe in politics. It's all about power. And so it really, you know, truth is relative to them. They can speak out of both sides of their mouth. It's all about winning power. And, and and having control. Oh, now I, I I remember I remember what the question was was about um, that she responded that way. She was asked, you know, why did you support Anita Hill against uh, Judge Thomas, but you didn't support any of the women that came out and talked about Bill Clinton raping them and uh, and uh, and wow. uh, mistreating them. And and that's what she said. You believe in principle, I believe in politics. You know, sex within the Oval Office, uh, because it's all about the politics. It's all about power. It's all about them doing what they want with power. And it's really hard for, for Christians and conservatives to understand the depth of, of the dishonesty in our opponents. Very, very true, and it has reached a, a, an epidemic. And speaking to that political divide, not only are the politicians and, and the divide on, on ideas so wide, but the American people can't even uh, talk or have civil discourse anymore because of this divide. We're seeing assaults and all kinds of other uh, just crazy behavior due to the polar opposites of the the two ideologies. But I want to ask you this, as as Mr. Brown, as we are in closing here, the future of the alternative media. It's very obvious to me that the majority of Americans can see through the mainstream media's lies, and the alternative media has been very successful in not only telling the truth, but doing so in a way that uh, is, is easy for the American people to find with just the basic amount of, of uh, research skills. I want to ask you this. Are, do you think we're going to see a time where they're going to move uh, further than the shadow banning on, on social media, on Twitter, and the censoring on YouTube, to where we're seeing you know websites shut down by Internet service providers? How far is this censorship battle going to go? Uh, you know, I, I can't answer that question because I don't know. I, uh, I hope it doesn't go that far, but, you know, I never saw, thought we would see shadow banning and, um, you know, misuse of algorithms on, on Facebook and, and manipulation of search terms on Google. Uh, the truth is, is that I never thought it would become this per pervasive. But I, you know, I, I continue to have faith because, you know, I read the Bible and my Bible tells me that Christ will be victorious. And uh, so I, you know, I, I depend on him. And I look to him. And, you know, I pray for this country. I pray for our leaders. And so that's what gives me my hope. I have zero hope in um, Silicon Valley. I have close to zero hope in our elected officials in in, in Washington, D.C. But I do believe in the American people. I believe in um, that, 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 that Christ is still fighting on our side and that he will be victorious in this spiritual battle. So, you know, for me, my prayer every day is, dear Lord, help me to be a good steward and do what you want me to do this day as we engage in this spiritual warfare. 
Amen to that. And I've got to just commend you on your book from 2013. It is, I, I found myself um, reaching for it a couple of times last week in preparation of a, of a, of a presentation I gave in Ohio. Obama's enemies list how Barack Obama intimidated Americans stole the election. The resources within that book, um, and all of your books, by the way, uh, just fantastic. So I commend you on that, and I would urge anyone out there really wanting to know the real history to read yeah. Floyd I, Brown. I actually have a, I have a new, I have a new book that is, uh, it, it, I don't have a publication uh, date yet, but it's in final editing. It's called Social Media Tyrants, uh, and it's all about uh, this manipulation of these tyrants from Silicon Valley, and, I, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about it, and I'm, hope it, I'm hopeful that a lot of people will, will learn and, and, and exit from these, these, uh, these social media platforms. You know, I encourage people uh, not to be on Twitter or Facebook or uh, uh, any of these platforms. You know, exit and and uh, um, and then you know you can go directly to to websites that you trust and you can listen to podcasts that you trust and you you don't have to uh, necessarily get your news and information from these social media platforms that are trying to manipulate and 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 convince you of of, of uh, uh, how important uh, liberalism is <laughs> amen to that and to those listening and viewing this broadcast uh, I would echo what Time magazine wrote about our guest Mr. Floyd Brown uh, who has a stature among devoted conservatives that almost matches his physical heft, standing at six foot six. Of course, uh, a, wow. a man, a man, head and shoulders above many, and that for numerous reasons. Not, uh, well, of course. Thank well, you for your kind young. words. I, I appreciate Amen. it, and I look forward to being with you again soon. Thank Absolutely, you. Thank and you. Uh, we look forward to your to your book. Uh, uh, your new yeah, book, man. and, and uh, you. imagine that you can fill an encyclopedia volume with as much <laughs> uh, information uh, on that topic. But Floyd Brown, the WesternJournal.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and, and uh, keep well, up the bro. great work. Thank you. Always a pleasure. All right, sir. Folks, that was uh, Floyd Brown. And you know what? Show prep. Necessary show prep. WesternJournal.com. Bookmark that website. And, and all of Mr. Brown's works, uh, my good, and all of the authors at WesternJournal.com. Joe and I, I use it daily now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whereas one year ago, it wasn't, for whatever reason, wasn't even on my radar. But now it is a daily, uh, a daily stop for me. And you can usually find at least one, if not two pieces up on Hagman Report curated from the Western Journal. It's a great resource to have and it tells it like it is and, and, uh, you know, it's a push against the mainstream media narrative. We have coming up Mr. Matt Bracken and I heard Matt guest hosting or he was on InfoWars. I think it was last week, early last week and he was, uh, either last week or the week before and I think he was doing his first Hosting of the Overdrive Hour. I, th- I think he was covering for me, actually. <laughs> Maybe seriously. Uh, I'm I'm pretty certain because that's, uh, yeah, that, I, I'm I'm fairly certain. But he does a great job. You know, Matt Bracken. If you if you're not familiar with him, he uh, 
my goodness, his credentials go out the door and beyond. Um, he, he was born in Baltimore, Maryland, 57, graduated from the University of Virginia in 79 with a degree in Russian studies, um, commissioned in the U.S. Navy through the NROTC program, and uh, hey, graduated basic underwater demolition SEAL training class of 105, or class 105 in uh, California. So he knows what he's talking about, his works, enemies, foreign and domestic, domestic enemies, foreign enemies, and traitors. And Castigo K, let me tell you something, uh, as well as... Um, the Red Cliffs of Zarhoon. That's right. Which is right here yeah, on our desk. Man, never, we have, never far away. We have Matt Bracken with us. Matt, I think it was last week, and maybe it was two weeks ago, I heard you, I think it was hosting your first fourth hour of InfoWars, and I just wanted to say that was a, a great job. I, I caught that on my uh, ride home from the studio. Oh, thanks a lot. I have a, um, there's like a delay. I'm not sure. Um, I'm hearing uh, like the 30 seconds ago in the background. Okay. Um, yeah. if it, it doesn't bother me much, but if you have, um, are you hearing it? Yeah, um, uh, no, not on our end. Uh, hang on, just uh, Eric asked if you if you had a uh, a feed of the show open, like a YouTube. No, I closed them all. No. Okay, interesting. And thanks for telling us that we are oh, having. Hang on, hang on. There we go. I did in the back nope. somewhere. <laughs> well, it's interesting, Sorry, Matt, because we uh, uh, all this week we've been having some terrible uh, technical issues with our. Uh, I think with Spectrum, our, our service provider, and people were getting these horrible echoes, and it was cutting out. But I think we have the issue resolved. But uh, it's great to have you. It's great to have you back on uh, again. I heard you host an Infowars the other day, and that was, uh, or maybe it's a few weeks ago now, and that was uh, that was pretty awesome. And you know, so much going on in the news. Where would you like to start today, sir? Well, I listened to the whole first hour, and it was you know great guests. Um, you know, the, the points being made about pedophilia were right on. In fact, when I was listening to um, your first guest, I brought up a story out of Telford, England. This was the site of one of the Muslim rape grooming gangs where more than a thousand British girls were, you know, serially abused. And it turns out that several of the city councillors are pedophiles. <laughs> the, wow. the British. So no wonder they didn't go hard after the, you know, they didn't uh, come down hard on these uh, Muslim uh, grooming gangs. They themselves were a part of a pedophile gang. So you know, the, the evil, so the, rot, the rot is very deep. It's very deep. Yeah, and it, and it happens so often. And as we continue to see, uh, a lot of times these, these pedophiles are uh, in, in their occupation closely uh, in, in close proximity and working with children. There was a, a major philanthropist last week who ran several children organizations for the UN who was caught up in this huge pedophilia scandal. And it is all too common to see in, in this day and age from the uh, tops of the Hollywood and entertainment system to the world of politics, both here in America and worldwide. It is an epidemic, and it seems that uh, no matter how much we fight and push back against it, it, it is making a dent, but it seems that these people and these networks are everywhere. Yeah, and, it's, and you know, it's of course it's, it's terrible. It's a tragedy for the lives of people who are abused per themselves. But there's a much greater significance because in my study of, of this, these types of phenomena over the, over the past, you know, 50 years um, and studying further back, this is very often used as as a um, 
as a, a first step into blackmailing people. Once people are brought into these networks, you know, they, then they are blackmailed and they can't get out. Then they become almost like willing slaves of the network, no matter how they came in, due to their own personal vices. By the time that they're finished, they're, you know, they might as well have the, uh, you know, the horns and the uh, pointy tail because they get caught up in the network. They, be, they then end up seducing others into the networks for the purposes of greater blackmail. And this is all part of, a, of a, what, I, what I consider to be a, a weaponization of um, the intelligence services that's gone back very far. I was just rereading, uh, I was reminded by Floyd, I was just rereading a letter that uh, Truman wrote in 1963, in December 63, a warning that the CIA was off the leash, you know, that it had started as an intelligence operation and it became a secret army. And that's what, and now fast forward, you know, more than a half century. It's completely gone rogue. All of the intelligence agencies have. And I'm, I'm currently reading, uh, I don't know why I waited so long, a terrific book by Diana West, American Betrayal. You know, they, they, you could say in a sense that the communists really did win, not the Soviet Union. It fell for economic reasons and cultural reasons. But for the entire time of the Cold War, they weren't just building tanks and rockets to possibly fire at us. They were also putting even more effort, more money, and more manpower into subversion. You know, so that if they never came, if it never came down to a rocket war against the USA, we would decay and rot and fall on our own. And that part of their effort was wildly successful. You know, we, we think of the, of the uh, McCarthy era. Well, the communists won the McCarthy era because McCarthy wound up as a villain when he was a hero. And, you know, the, the little bit of uh, discomfort that some actual communists had when they were blacklisted for a few years was nothing compared to what actually went on. I mean, the subversion was so complete. I just created a meme today because uh, FDR's confidant, a man who lived for three years in the White House during World War II, Harry Hopkins, he lived in the Lincoln bedroom. He was the first person FDR saw in the morning, the last person who saw him at night. He was a, a personal agent when they met with, with Churchill, with, with Stalin, and so on. He was in charge of American Lend-Lease. They shipped uranium to Russia. The Rosenbergs were like the guppy that we caught. But Harry Hopkins was the whale that got away. He died in 46. He was very, not very healthy. But we were so penetrated... And we still are penetrated. Today we have John Brennan, who recently admitted he voted for Gus Hall in 1980. You know, that's a, voting for a communist in 1980. This is when the gulags were still running. You know, this is when we didn't know what the outcome of the Cold War would be. He became the director of the CIA. I mean, how can you possibly conceive of a communist admitting he was a communist on his polygraph coming into the CIA admitted it. That's how we know he was in, in the, a communist. He was speaking to, I think, a, a, a black audience, I think NAACP, and he was asked, well, if, if we want to uh, diversify the intelligence agencies, what if we have a criminal background or some drug use? He said, don't worry about it. I was a communist. 
I voted for Gus Hall in 1980. I was worried that if I lied on the polygraph, they would catch the lie, so I admitted it. They still let me into the CIA. That was in 1980. I mean, imagine the rot. That's if the head of the CIA, a communist. So, so yeah, the, I think in, in a sense, we did not win the Cold War. Certainly the Soviet Union collapsed, but we were rotted out from within, and that's where we are today. And I have to say this, uh, Matt. We had Diana West on our show, and I, I, I specifically asked for her to come on because I, I did read American Betrayal. It, uh, along with uh, M. Staten Evans' book, Blacklisted by History, which, which she really took that ball and ran with it in American Betrayal. But, but you know what surprised me the most since we're talking about her book? And, and, um, uh, and by the way, uh, the Red Cliffs of Zerhun, in, in some way, being to me, it's right around the corner. But it kind of, it, it's parallel to to uh, Diana West's findings, her deeper findings. Um, but what surprised me the most about that was the conservative backlash that she received, to the extent where she wrote a book titled "The Rebuttal" uh, uh, against the conservative backlash she got against the uh, book "American Betrayal." Uh, that, that, even knowing what I know, it kind of surprised me a little bit. I, I don't know if yeah, you felt it's, it's, yeah. it kind of surprised me, but kind of not because the, the cuck conservatives have been so co-opted. You know, the, the, I, originally what I said that I wanted to talk about, I was spurred by this Katie Hopkins piece this morning about, you know, the talking head reporters. They'll say anything to advance to be shills for the. You know, establishment line because it's the only way they get in front of a television camera. If you don't come out wholeheartedly for bombing Syria without proof, you won't get on TV. So you just, you know, make up stories that you don't even believe in. But um, yeah, we're we're in a we're in a very difficult place because even in conser- so-called conservative websites, they're so cautious. You know, a new form of censorship is bla- is blacklist blacklisting by association. I'll give you an example. There's very few people that have that can go on Infowars that will ever ever be allowed inside. For example, the Fox News building. If you've you know because you're you're guilty by association with uh, you know Infowars equals Sandy Hook denial to the mainstream media, and therefore if you've ever been on Infowars. You're banned. You're blacklisted. I have never had any of my books reviewed by any of the main websites ever. You know, I I had an agent or a, the publicity guy for one of the top five websites, uh, top five conservative websites, pitch me a review deal, but I have to spend a few thousand dollars for a over on the side ad advertorial package. Then they would assign an in-house hack, a writer who's not associated with the website, but he really is. You see what I'm saying? You know, a, a yeah. pet writer. That they would then write a favorable review of one of my books, but as part of an ad package. And I saved all these emails. It's just, it's just galling and sickening. And many of the other for-profit, for-pay, conser- so-called conservative websites they use what I call the Simon Cowell model of, uh, of, uh, of business. Namely, you invite the talent to come on for free. You know, we'll select all of the 
instead of singers, it's essay writers. And, and you'll be so glad to just have your byline on our prestigious so-called conservative website, you know, that, that you'll write for us for free, and then we get the advertising revenue. Yeah, it's the Simon Cowell, American Idol, you know, the, the voice kind of a, of a, of a, um, model. And they're just in it for the money. I think everybody that's it, at this level has been following the battle between, uh, Mark Levin and, uh, Mark Stein yes. over the, uh, the CRTV thing. And those guys are just, are just pimps. The ones that are funding the CRTV, they're just, they're just looking at us like the conservative rubes. You know, if they were selling to an urban audience, they might be selling hip hop. But because they're selling to us, they're doing, uh, con you know, so conservative themes. But they don't believe it. It's just merchant, it's just a merchandising package. And so, it's Matt, really disgusting. So, so you, and I, I agree with you. You believe that we have, like we see on CNN with the people who, uh, basically read teleprompters. They read what's written for them on the screen. You believe that this spans both, uh, the left and right media to where these people are, are basically, uh, just pimping out content that is supplied to them, uh, and, and do so for a paycheck more so than the truth or to convey any information that they believe. Yes. And, and I think that a, a really good litmus test of this was the Syrian, uh, missile strikes. There was no Proof that it was done by Assad. Zero. Before any investigators went in, we fired the missiles. And we had people shilling on Twitter, you know, snapping their heels and saluting and marching on the orders, not on the proof. And then they show up on Fox. You know, and if, and it's, it's amazing that there are a few people like, say, for example, Tucker Carlson, that was willing, that were willing to be skeptical. But 90% of even Fox News, when it came to something like that, they just get in line and march. You know, I, I, I don't want to just focus on the mainstream media though, because you know, my kids that are in their 20s, they, they would no sooner watch uh, Fox or CNN. They get their news by watching clips on YouTube and people like Paul Joseph Watson are the superstars. You know, Paul Joseph yeah. Watson puts up a, a video and it, you know, 25,000 an hour. I mean, something like, you know, 11 million followers. That's global. You know, and so I, I, I'm not sure where the, the last hour's discussion about uh, controlling the Internet, it's so easy to do with algorithms. You know, I, I call it the bad comrade quotient. If you have a web, every, any, per, every person and every website if it's a, if it's just just to simplify how these how simple it would do, be to do these algorithms, if every person in every website is tagged with a quotient, and you're if you're a liberal and you get tagged a 1.4 1.0 being par for everybody, you start in as a 1.0. If your website, you personally, the websites you're clicking through, if they're all getting 0.5 and 0.7, you multiply them and you're down to like infinitesimally small reach but if you're a good liberal and you're getting a good comrade quotient of a 1.2 or a 1.4 that's for you personally, the website you just clicked to, who you're sharing it to, you get a huge multiplier effect so your liberal reach could be easily 10 times what a conservative's is just by assigning simple uh, quotients like that 
to websites and to people. I have no doubt that that's happening. There, there's a push in Europe for a, a sort of like a truth in Internet law. I'm not sure how it's going to work. But in principle, there's some interesting um, aspects. And one is that the algorithms have to be published. You know, how Google assigns good comrade, bad comrade has to be in the open. Because that's how shadow banning works. I have 11,000 followers on Twitter. I put out a meme or say something, I'm lucky if I get five retweets. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke. And we're seeing this but in it, China. China implemented this internet social media score where people are being denied, uh, you know, the, the ownership of houses or the use of public transportation based on right. the rating they're given that's for their right. internet usage. We call it social credit. And, yeah. and we do it, we do it not so overtly. You know, in, in China, your, your, um, fare card won't work when you go to get on the, uh, light rail. You know, it's just going to say denied. So it's sort of the mark of the beast. You know, you won't be able to do commerce. You won't be able to do business because your bad comrade score is going to keep you out. But in the, in the United States, or even worse in Britain, you know, if you're Katie Hopkins and enough Muslims complain about your Islamophobia, you're fired from the Daily Mail. So Katie Hopkins goes from like, you know, a bi-weekly byline on the Daily Mail, which was huge to basically being a middle-aged uh, Laura Southern, you know, a gadfly. And God bless her. I love her. I retweet her everything she puts out, and I watch the videos and so forth. But she said, the, you know, she stepped on the wrong Muslim toes, um, said something that they, that they took as Islamophobic, you know, and she said something about uh, inbreeding or um, pedophilia being an Islamic tradition, something like that. And they had a campaign, and they pushed her out of Daily Mail. So and it's not that far in America. You just what like me. I've I've written these novels. I think they're great novels. I think they're fantastic novels. But even the conservative ink websites are afraid to touch me. I'm radioactive because I'm a little too far ahead of the herd. You know, when you're when you're like a cavalry scout and you're way out ahead and you see the Indians, you're too far ahead. The herd can't see you. And the shepherds that stay with the herd are threatened by you. You know, the parkland police, for example, you know, they're threatened by people out ahead of the herd. They want to hide behind their police cars and stay safe. In fact, they draw a paycheck to be so-called shepherds, but really what they're doing is making a living off the sheep. And they're herding the sheep where the shepherds want the sheep to go. And when a scout gets out far ahead like I am and says, you know, there's some dangerous wolves over here. They don't want to hear it. You know, you're a radical. You're speaking it hyperbolically. So even though I've been right for the last 15 years in what I've been writing in my novels, I still don't get a serious review on a single website because I've been on Infowars. Yep. You know, I, I'm published on Western Rifle Shooters Association because I can just put anything that I want to write. They'll They'll print it. But that's a free speech zone, and that's frightening to the cucks. You know, it's very frightening. A free speech zone is very frightening. I'm on Gab, too. We're trying to make that, you know, get a little traction. But, you, you know, free speech is frightening to, I, the, to I, the cucks. Okay, Matt, please. I, I, look, I'm on Gab, too, and, and I think everyone should make that transition. Um, how can people find you on Gab.ai? I'm, um, I'm Matt Bracken there. 
I think okay. there's an understanding between that and Bracken. You know, if if um, Donald Trump made one one tweet on Gab, he could change the world. If instead of putting a, a message out on Twitter, if he put a message out on Gab, it would be an earthquake that would make Kanye West look like a mosquito in a hurricane. But that's, you know, I don't even know if he's ever heard of Gab. You know, I mean, yeah. that immediately there would be a mass migration to Gab just to see what Trump put out. Yeah, and we, we need to use these alternative um, social media networks that are not, uh, you know, these tech giant companies, as we were just talking about in the in the last segment with Mr. Floyd Brown, the power and influence and control that these uh, companies wield over speech and how they are able to silence and ban and, and shadow ban conservative speech, yet they uh, promote and blast out the, this liberal ideology, where we can no longer use these platforms or rely on these platforms to convey or receive information. We have to find alternatives, and when the alternatives are created and presented and put out there, we have to embrace them and use them. And we're not seeing that. We have to, even if they're not as smooth right now. And even if they're kind of banned and blacklisted themselves. Like, you'll never see a gab button next to the Twitter and and Facebook and Instagram buttons. You're never going to see it. You'll never see it. So you have to physically open up gab and paste in a link. You see that the, the social media titans don't want an actual free speech zone like gab. They no, want to be able to... And they they went as far. It, sorry, Matt, I don't mean to, to over-talk you, but they went as far as in, in the Google Play and App Stores to ban. Uh, you know, I, I remember for a while there, they would not allow the app to be downloaded. Uh, they were so right. afraid of the competition. Right, so they, they have a very slick bus, and we're only allowed to sit in the back three rows. And we, there's a curtain, and we're not allowed to talk. But we're on a really nice bus, so we're, we're sort of in that situation of segregation where we're afraid of being put off the bus. I say, get off that bus and get on the gab bus. You know, use something where we're not shadow banned and throttled. I mean, throttling is so pervasive, it's a joke. If, unless you somehow break out of the, the, the ghetto that I'm in, I mean, I have 11,000 followers, but nobody sees my tweets. Same here. Any, Same here, yeah. When does the criminalization begin? That you are so. By the way, folks, Matt Bracken, read his uh, series of novels, read his books, including the Red Cliffs of Zarhun. Um, but when does the criminalization begin? Because uh, and the litigation against. Uh, well, I mean, look, it's, it's public knowledge. For example, look, I, I am a co-defendant in, in a, in a uh, defamation suit that that's now turned into uh, accusations of me being a Russian agent hmm. and uh, of Joe being a Russian agent and of of um, us purveying fake news, including pedogate. Uh, yeah, it's all it's all lawfare. This is all lawfare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're in a civil, we're yeah. in a civil war. We're in it. There's a one of the maybe the best written all year is by Dan Field, great writer of magazine March 27th this year. They called the Civil War is here, and they use lawfare. See, they'll if they're in power, if they're in power, then anything that Congress does is sacrosanct. You must obey that law. If they're out of power. Congress doesn't matter. It's all the judges. You see, and like is is fighting 
as a bunch of Quakers who are raised on boxing by the Marquis de Queensberry rules. That's what we're raised on, honor and boxing by the Marquis de Queensberry rules. And we're fighting people who are trained from birth to lie and deceive and use any dirty trick possible. Like It's like putting the mafia against the Quakers. And the mafia control the media, and the mafia deny that the mafia exists. But but they make the Quakers abide by every Quaker rule, while while they're backstabbing them. And the left and Islam are similar in that respect. They both believe in the ends justify the means. If if it's you know following the Constitution religiously over abortion because they found the eminence of the penumbra in Roe v. Wade, then by gosh, you don't dare, you know, anything. If, it's, if the baby's not born, you can kill it, period. But if it's, if it's a made-up law, a non-law like this DAC, like DACA, then judges will come out and say, the president has to reinstate an unconstitutional non-law executive action. It's pure lawfare, and we're the suckers. We're the rubes in the tent, you know, and the Elmer Gantries take turns like a tag team match using any tactics that, that they can to bamboozle us and keep us, and keep us, you know, on our heels. But we have to start figuring out that the Marquis de Queensberry rules, it's over. That era is finished. If we're, this is now a knife fight. And if we don't, fight like knife fighters, we're going to lose. You know, Floyd Brown, God bless him, he said, I hope he's listening, I love the guy, he said, you know, my faith is in Jesus and so forth. Well, look, all of Turkey used to be Christian, okay? They had all the faith in Jesus that they could possibly have, and they still got overrun by Islam a thousand years ago. Same with, with Egypt and North Africa and, you know, down the list, India, Mega mass murder, India, the biggest genocide in history, by far, numerically. And they became Muslim, and it sticks. You know, I have a theory that I'm working on. You can create a religion, even if it does, if it's not a God-based religion. Islam is certainly an example. Muhammad came up with the idea, I'm going to appeal to men's worst angels. I'm going to say, men, I've got a deal to offer you. Follow me. If you die in battle, you get 72 virgins in heaven forever. But in the meantime, you get to grab slaves and booty. And you can have lots of women. that They don't have a say in marriage. You can just buy women like cattle, beat them if they refuse your desires. And this had a lot of appeal to the dark angels of man's nature. And it worked. You know, the, the founder of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard, he made a bet that he could create a religion that would be self-sustaining after he was gone. And he won the bet. He's gone, but there's still Scientology. And the, 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 um, the Jacobins and before that, you know, the Illuminists, um, they came up with a theory that we can appeal to greed and avarice among the common man and say, look, we'll take it all from the rich and distribute it to the poor, and we'll always have enough idiots that'll vote for that. And that became, you know, that morphed into Marxism, which we now call progressivism or leftism. But it's embedded. It's a self-sustaining religion. It's a more evangelical religion than Christianity. In fact, 
it's actually subverted Christianity. We now have a Pope in Rome who's really a Marxist. So it's not the Christians evangelizing the Marxists, it's the other way around. We're losing. You know, God bless Floyd Brown, but we're losing, and I don't want to have a thousand years of darkness because Islam and the left win. You know, when Islam coincides with leftism, it becomes Islam. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the notorious, uh, the jackal, Carlos the jackal, Ilyich Ramirez Sanchez, uh, he was a, a, I think he was Venezuelan or Colombian, but he was a terrorist in Europe in the 70s, 60s and 70s. He, he became a convert to Islam. And women who are leftists should keep in mind that the men will just transition to being Muslim easily. They won't need to change anything, plus they'll get to beat their wives. You know, the wives won't give them any back talk anymore. So the leftist females will be left in a burqa. It's going to be, this is, this is, this is how it happens. You know, the, the Islam, Islam coming to Europe, Europe won't push back. The, the socialist elites in Europe are welcoming Islam. The evil ones like the pedophile rings, they think it's great because they'll get away with it legally. I mean, we're in a very dark time and we better start fighting back. And I mean, calling communists communists. I call John Brennan a communist, period. He voted, he voted for Gus Hall in 1980. The man's a communist. Whether he has a card in his pocket, I could care less. But across academia, we're riddled with what we used to call communists. Now we call them progressives, leftists, cultural Marxists. It's all the same thing. And their goal is to destroy America. We're the last citadel. We're the last tower standing. When America collapses, it's over. There will be a thousand years of darkness. And, you know, we are not winning. Just be, We won the military and economic side of the Cold War, but the Soviets inserted so much rot and subversion within that it became self-sustaining. And now, like a big oak tree that's completely hollowed out and rotten inside, we're going to collapse under our own weight. I have no doubt. And you know, this, is a, this is just a very dark time, and people need to speak out. And when I talk like this, guess what? I won't be on Fox News. But 15 no. years ago, talking about false flag operations, and people didn't believe it. Then came Fast and Furious and other things. And, you know, it's like, wow, Matt was right 15 years ago. Well, what if Matt's right now? Sometimes you have to listen to the scout that's far, far out ahead of the herd. But the shepherds by the herd just want to herd keep the herd together and live off of them. And that goes for the conservative ink cucks, those timid cowards. They won't even review my books. There's no profanity, there's no Islamophobia. I have I have Jewish heroes, I have black heroes. Doesn't matter. My themes are too radioactive because I'm not in the herd. And most of these conservative websites, they're run by Greedy cucks. They just move their lips. Diana West can tell you all about what happened when she wrote American Betrayal. It's disgusting and it's disheartening. But I'm a fighter. You know, we have to we have to be fighters. And Matt, let me ask you this. You, and and about this article, this Katie Hopkins article, Media Insiders tell me they're sick of pushing 
fake news. We know that the uh, mainstream media is losing this battle to the uh, to the alternative media. We know that the truth, uh, the the populist movement uh, is behind the truth, and there. This is why we see such heavy censorship and, and and shadow banning and these algorithms that we're talking about. Do you believe that will in this country that the the powers that be will ever let it get to a point? Where we actually see, uh, you know, the mainstream media losing ground, whether it's on the cable news TVs, whether it's with advertisers, whether it's with a viewership of, you know, 10% of the country or less. Will we ever? I think think we're still, we're still in a political era where the politics really do count. And if the, if the, uh, Democrats win the Congress and shut down all the investigations, um, you know, Feinstein's already saying if they win, they're going after amnesty and gun control. And I'm sure you can count, you know, control of the internet and, you know, there will be hate speech laws that put you and I out of business. You know, we're, we're not inclusive enough. We're saying the wrong things. Uh, there's a, a great, there's a great, uh, artist, Bosch Faustin, who was at the, he, he won the, uh, Draw Muhammad contest in, in Garland. That was where the FBI agent was following the terrorists and goading them to commit mass murder. An FBI agent. That's how, Corrupted and subverted, even that the FBI has become not just headquarters in D.C. But he has a, he has a great cartoon that went went with his article today in Front Page Mag that uh, shows uh, a terrorist making a threat, and Facebook is just a, the Facebook monitor is asleep, and then the uh, person who's being threatened in this case it's the um, uh, what's his name Bob? Ezra Levant he gets suspended for. You know, cutting, copying, and pasting the threat, and saying, "Hey, Facebook, look what I was just threatened." They suspended him, not the Muslim who terrorized him. So, if if the if the Democrats win, I expect to see that more and worse. We'll have a little bit more breathing room if if uh, Republicans win in in October. But you know, we're also in an era where there there could be black swans flying in at any time. I mean, a, a a war could turn, even morph into something like a cyber war, and our banking system gets shut down. I mean, it's no secret to the world that America's cities would blow up if the power went out. There's no need to fire missiles at our cities. Just you cut our power one way or the other, and our cities will burn on their own. I mean, yeah. that's not exactly a secret to our enemies. Yeah, what do they yeah, say? So we're uh, three meals a day. We're, we're uh, you lose power uh, across the portion of the country for any significant amount of time. You're going to have within a matter of days people fighting and killing each other for food. And and let me ask you this: this censorship push that we see uh, in the alternative media, how much of an impact do you believe that the censorship is is going to have, if at all, on the 2018 uh, midterm elections? And when I say censorship, I mean the censorship not of uh, what they call fake news or uh, of propaganda stuff. I'm talking about legitimate uh, news and information, uh, political candidates, their their uh, campaign ads, and on and on and on. Do you think that this tool will be utilized to censor conservative well, candidates? Well, over it, the it absolutely it absolutely is. That with the exception of you know Fox talk radio and and shows like shows like yours, but. Um, imagine just you know Twilight cue the Twilight Zone music, but imagine if um, the same fact base had happened to Obama with the FBI, the NSA all working to to set to torpedo him essentially to frame him and torpedo him. Uh, imagine how the Washington Post would have they'd have to make an extra big newspaper to to fit the headlines every day. I mean I remember Watergate. I was a kid in seventy three seventy four. 
And I remember it was wall to wall. This is before the 24-hour CNN news cycle, but they 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 preempted uh, talk shows or excuse me uh, the soap operas. They preempted daytime TV from noon from morning till night, following the gavel to gavel congressional coverage of Watergate, the third rate break in. They made it like it was World War 19, and now we have the CIA, NSA, FBI working together. At to do, pulling an intel op against our own president, you know, to frame him like it was some banana republic and they were the Mission Impossible team. You know, your mission is to make El Presidente out to be a, you know, a criminal and a spy. Okay, we'll do that. We know how to do that. So these tools that the intelligence agencies developed to subvert our enemies abroad, well, that's why the CIA wasn't supposed to operate in America. Of course they do. They sheeped up themselves. Or they use, you know, former CIA people or their contacts. But you know, this is what we're seeing: is an intelligence operation against our own president, and it's and it hasn't been covered in CNN. Instead, it's Stormy Daniels. I mean, they played the Russian collusion thing with no evidence for a year and a half, and then they just slid into Stormy Daniels and Michael Cohen's business deals. So people that get their news there are absolutely not knowing what's going on. Just imagine if they were giving it coverage like Watergate. All of these FBI and CIA and, and NSA stooges would would be behind bars already. So it's, there's exactly. Actual, and right now there is a war going on. You know, I, I kind of want to get your take on a couple of things because, okay, um, 460, we're in day 461 of the Donald Trump presidency. For 343 of those days, we've had a special counsel probing everything that uh, Donald Trump has ever done, um, which is just, to me, unprecedented. So having said that, you had mentioned a, a number of things. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask a, a series of questions here and take them however, in whatever order you want. Number one, uh, um, do you see uh, impeachment at the end of this road for Donald Trump? Another question. Uh, was the Michael Cohen raid, um, uh, was that in, and I'm asking you to kind of broaden broaden your mind here a little bit, or I know it's already broad, but uh, I see this as kind of a warning to Sean Hannity as a conservative talk show host. Have you considered that? And well, I guess I'll stop there. And uh, yeah, well, I think that and things like this just make Sean tougher. Okay. Um, but I think that listen to all lawyers that you know. Hey, maybe you better not get a conservative. Uh, uh, controversial conservative client because the FBI might kick their door down. But I think that in the hinterland where people still care about fairness, that this is seen as just outrageous. You know, people understand that Hillary was ne never had her server even examined. Did I lose you? No, uh, Matt, you, you did cut out uh, a few times there, but okay. we're still here. Okay, yeah, that it's out where out in the middle of America where people aren't that political. I think it's sunk in that Hillary did all of her nefarious deeds. The FBI was putting their thumb on the scale to keep her out of jail and to get her into the White House, and then to be kicking down uh, Michael Cohen's door, or um, you know they they did the raid against uh, what's his name, the um, one-time ca uh, temporary campaign uh, uh, manager. Manafort, yeah, I mean, doing a doing a 5 a.m. raid where you get the the wife naked out of bed at gunpoint, 
you know, this is Nazi Gestapo Stasi tactics, and I'm really ashamed of the FBI and the special agents. You know, they they took the they took the investigation away from the DC field office, which is basically a local field office, like one in uh, you know Albuquerque, um, and they took it over at Maine headquarters. Um, but still, you know, the the FBI agents on the other six floors are going to work every day. Maybe they're leaking to Hannity or not, but they're all going to work. I've lost total respect for them. I mean, I because I've also seen the FBI doing this kind of stuff not only in the headquarters. You know, limelight. I've seen them doing it out in uh, in smaller examples. And th- again, this comes back to Marxists. The ends justify the means. The Constitution, that's just the legal background they have to operate around. But these guys, let's say they, they go to the same law school, one becomes an FBI uh, special agent, one becomes a U.S. attorney, an assistant U.S. attorney, and they wink at each other and they email privately to each other and they set conservatives up. I've seen this happen to gun store owners. They're just basically considered the scum of the earth. It's like the KGB taking out kulaks and they will absolutely use false information. Two numbers everybody should know about in, in relation to the FBI is 302 and 1001. 1001 is called lying to the FBI. It's a felony, 10 years. A 302 is the written memoranda of an interview with an FBI agent. You would, you would say, well, geez, they've had tape recorders for 50 years. How come they don't tape record them? Because then they'd have an actual report that was verifiable. Instead, they'll have two or three FBI agents in your office they don't even say you're the one being investigated. They think they say, "Hey, uh, we have some questions about Joe that you used to work with," and they get you to talk. Well, I'm just a good citizen talking to the FBI. They get you to talk for a few hours, then they find somebody else that says, "No, you didn't make ten thousand dollars in 1984. You made twenty thousand in 1983." Lying to the FBI. The next thing you know, you're Mike Flynn. You've lost your house in legal fees. They're threatening your family. This is typical FBI. They, they'll make a deal. Look, father of the family, you plead to lower, to lower charges and get five years in prison and will drop the charges against your wife and your kids won't wind up in foster care. This is Gestapo tactics. And it's FBI tactics in the, in the, this century, unfortunately. And I can quote chapter and verse of people this has happened to. And when you do, they talk. They, they they act like you're talking about UFOs. Oh, the FBI, they're so wonderful. There's just a few bad apples in headquarters. Wrong. The, the cultural Marxism has been seeping in for so long. I mean, it, it, they hire people based on their go-along, get-along. They wink and they take the oath. They wink. It's a joke. They snicker and wink when they're taking the oath to defend the Constitution because... From high school on, they're taught that the, the Constitution is a white man's slavery document, that we have to get rid of it. So they're crossing their fingers when they take the oath. That's how you get special a special agent goading terrorists to kill Pamela Geller, Gert Wilders, Bosch Faustin, uh, Robert Spencer in, Gar- in Garland, Texas. They wanted yep. that to happen so that that Terror special agent... Yeah, the special agent following them was in the car behind with the camera. He was going to get street cred as like, you know, the head honcho of ISIS in America after that happened. And, you know, I don't know how you can 
plausibly say that was a great idea, that it would have had some terrific benefit. But I mean, look at, look at John Brennan and Mueller. When Obama came in, they gutted, even before Obama, during, during uh, Bush, they gutted the FBI realistic jihad training. They brought mm-hmm. in the Muslim Brotherhood to teach the FBI about Islam. This would be like in World War II, let's bring in the German-American Bund. And you can't investigate any Germans unless there's a member of the German-American Bund, you know, to make sure you're not being Germanophobic. Yeah. That's a, we have, know, that's crazy. It's crazy. So we have people working against our country at the highest levels. Harry Hopkins in World War II, Brennan, a communist. There are plausible reports that Brennan converted while he was uh, in the, uh, I think he was ambassador in Saudi Arabia. People came into his office, saw the prayer rug, saw him praying. You know, if, if you're in Saudi Arabia as an American, whether it's business or military, whatever, if you convert to Islam while you're in Saudi Arabia, they bring out the white horse, you get on the silver saddle with the white robes, they, they have like a um, love bomb like the Moonies did. You know, they make you float on, float in air like you've just converted, you're the, if you're a big shot that converts to Islam in Saudi Arabia, you get the royal treatment, believe me. And if you're somebody like a Brennan and they convert you while you're in Saudi Arabia, it's major points. So, yeah, I, I think that um, not only Carlos the Jackal is somebody that went from socialism to Islam, I, I credibly believe that it would be somebody like a Brennan also. And that's why they gutted the realistic uh, jihad training. And you can lay this directly. Every death in, in Boston, San Ysidro, uh, Fort Hood, Orlando, go down the list. They were all the result of gutting the FBI's jihad training. And, and jihad protocols to make it so that you could not surveil a mosque. Could not. Hands off. And that was done by it, Robert Mueller. That as, was done by Mueller. Yeah. That's right. And that's, that's who right. heads the uh, special investigation now. Matt Bracken, EnemiesForeignAndDomestic.com. EnemiesForeignAndDomestic.com in the program description box. Matt Bracken is on fire. So we're going to stand back. Go ahead and continue. Well, I'm glad you'll have me on because, you know, it's only, it's only the, uh, you know, the Western rifle shooters and, uh, uh, you know, InfoWars, Hagman Report, all of the timid cucks of Conservatism Inc. I'm radioactive to them. They're afraid somebody will say, you had somebody from InfoWars one, you reviewed a book by somebody who's been on Hagman Report. What are you, a conspiracy theorist? Well, hell, I've been right for 15 years. Read my books. What have the timid cocks been right about? You know, there's another phenomenon that's very important for people to understand. And you can look at, at examples through him. Um, a clear one is the Jews in Germany in the 1930s. There are always the hotheads saying, we have to fight or escape or do something. And the leaders of the Jewish community said, no, we have to cooperate. You know, it'll cause problems. They could come in here and kill us all. We'll just move from our homes to that ghetto they're setting up. And once they're in the ghetto and they cut the food ration and increase the work, the leaders say, well, you know, we have, there's nothing we can do to resist. The hotheads eventually have to be in a Warsaw ghetto situation before they'll actually resist forcibly. 
And what we see is a similar phenomenon in the United States. The timid cucks of conservatism, Inc., they want to go along and not make waves. It'll be better. That's what the Jews said in Germany. This Hitler, he'll be voted out the next election. It can't possibly get any worse. Just ride it out. Well, we've been riding it out, and we're seeing Europe almost beyond the point of no return. When a country gets to 10% Islamic, forget it, because they're going to have seven or eight kids each, and they'll fight. And the brainwashed, you know, uh, sissy boys, the metrosexuals, they will not fight. So it, they'll convert. It's easier to convert. So if you wait until you're in a Warsaw ghetto situation to fight, it's too late. You've got to start pushing back now. And I don't mean violently. I mean truthfully. And when I've been banned on Facebook four months out of the last six. You know, I mean, Congratulations. they don't even give me a reason. They just say, you violated something 30 days. They don't even tell me what I did. But I Man. still fight. And I'm glad you'll let me come on to fight. Because if you wait till you're in the Warsaw Ghetto, you're already in the bag. You've lost. That's right. You have to fight. The timid cucks aren't going to get braver. These timid cucks of conservatism, Inc., and I don't want to, you know, name their names, even though these cowards, they, they'll sell reviews or they'll, you know, they'll, they'll trawl like Simon Cowell for free input and then put the income from the ads in their pocket. You know, these profiteering cucks. They won't fight later. If they are not willing to fight now, and I mean call people communists, call people Islamists and Islamic fellow travelers. I, I use the word quizzling all the time. Quizzling I love it. Quizzling trader. Uh, you know what, Matt? Uh, I got to tell you, the hour went by so quickly. This break snuck up on us. I'm so sorry. We're out of time. We will foreignandomestic.com. Uh, we'll be promoting your website, you, everything you do, Matt. Please come back on any time. Thank you for speaking this truth. I will. I will. And, right. and I have Diana West on again. I've got to hook up with that lady. She's really something. She's a fireball. Absolutely. She's fearless. She, she really She's is. fearless. Amen she to that. She is fearless. Yes, sir. This third and final hour on this Wednesday edition of the Hagman Report. Again, audio only tonight. If you're joining us late and can't find the video, that's because we are not on. We had some issues, technical issues, earlier in the week, specifically yes, Monday and yesterday, and uh, we believe those have been resolved, so we should be back up and running on video tomorrow. Yep, tomorrow. Yeah. And, and I want to thank all of our all the people who support us. You know, it, it does take a lot of money. We push a boatload of bandwidth out of this studio, and the uh, actual actually we had to actually replace the hard line um, out to the uh, out to the pole from the studio, replace the uh, the hard lines in to the studio, replace some hard um, equipment as well uh, because we just burn them out. I mean, they just they just plum burned out from 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 that 
just the the use and the we had a tech in here and uh, he said wow you know so but however the the, the problem did stem from uh, the the major problem the reason we went out yesterday was because of the aged line um, that actually was replaced beyond our control beyond our uh, we didn't know that. So, so no, as well as a combination of some issues in Ohio. Uh, so it was, it's all fixed based on everything we've been told. So it's all fixed. It's all good. And, and we thank you as supporters of this program because otherwise we'd be talking to ourselves, right? So thank you. Uh, one more thing or two more things before. We bring Pastor Langford on. You know, everything that you heard Matt Bracken say with respect to the um, censorship by even the or the, the actions of the conservatives, Peter Barry Chowka has done a tremendous job in, in identifying a, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the articles that he's written and a lot of the information he has provided. If you go back through the uh, videos and audios, t- take a listen to, to him and, and view those. Because uh, uh, he he was he was front and center on on, on those issues, so uh, that's why we we do what we do. That's why we, John's doing such a great job, and and everyone here is doing such a great job. The um, the synchronicity of the information, you know, yay us, right? Uh, no, I'm just pointing it out, basically. Also. RedPillExpo.org, RedPillExpo.org. That's coming up June 21, 22nd, 23rd. So listen to this. Go to RedPillExpo.org, buy your tickets, enter the promo code HAGMAN, H-A-G-M-A-N-N, and get 15% off. And you know what? We twisted Patrick Wood's arm, and we had him in a, I had him in a headlock, and um, he was yelling for mercy. But here's what we hear. No, I'm kidding. But, but here's the good news about that. That 15% off also applies for live streaming, too. So that's a great deal. RedPillExpo.org. Use promo code Hagman for 15% off. Um, I think that about covers all of the announcements and updates. Uh, beyond that, uh, just again, thank you for being uh, supporters. And we have uh, Pastor Langford with us. I just want to throw two headlines out that I'm posting to Hagman Report. One from westernjournal.com where we had Floyd Brown on just with us in the uh, first half of the show report Andrew McCabe told FBI agents to stand down on Clinton email investigation it's an interesting read go there and check that out also Judicial Watch has released the latest batch of Hillary Clinton emails which was obtained by a FOIA request and it's a I don't know how many emails are in here it's a big file I've downloaded it Uh, a lot of a lot of the emails I've seen so far are redacted, so make sure uh, when you download the download the file uh, while it's up there. But it is a, a big file from what I can tell. So. That's what Eric is doing in my office, apparently downloading that to my hard drive, and I will be going through that after the show. Extremely important stuff. You've yeah. got to... These emails the devil look, is uh, in the details. It looks like uh, these emails are from everywhere, anywhere from... November 2010 through what I can see is July 2012, but it could be uh, much wider than that. So. Right, right. And by the way, I'd just like to make an announcement. I want to welcome into this world oh, yeah. my, 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 grand, my new granddaughter, born today. And, uh, wow. Yeah, just congratulations. Wow. Just wow. So, 
All right. Oh, hey, Pastor Langford's waiting. Pastor Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism, voiceofevangelism.com. Thank you so much for uh, for waiting, sir. Well, congratulations, Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's uh, yeah, not my first, but uh, but thank you so much. Uh, and uh, she's a beautiful, healthy young or a beautiful, healthy infant, newborn, newborn girl. My goodness, and, and, and looks like her grandpa too, right? Uh, yeah, no, not really. <laughs> you don't want to push that off on her? No, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, <laughs> unless unless she was born with one of those blue dots. Remember from the uh, William Kennedy Smith trial, the blue dot over the witness. But anyway, no. Uh, anyway, so. Pastor, thanks so much for coming on. So much, so much uh, headlines, so many headlines, and uh, it's always good when you come on to to fill us with that uh, spiritual B twelve shot. Well, um, I felt led to take an entirely different direction tonight. I want to go to Genesis chapter two. I want to read verse seven, and then pick it up in verse fifteen. Genesis two. Reading verse 7, then going at verse 15. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. I want to talk about loneliness tonight. Um, there are a lot of people feeling ostracized and feeling alienated. And they're really feeling all alone. I was looking up the Hebrew for the word alone today, and I was shocked. Um, Anyone can look it up. It's 905, and your strong, exhaustive concordance. And the word in the Hebrew is bad, B-A-D, just that simple. Alone, the Hebrew word is bad. And I thought, how interesting that God was saying something more than just the word alone. It is not good that man should be bad or alone. You know, we can be in a a room full of people, but we can also at the same time still be alone, be ostracized, and be alienated. Isolationism causes us to have profoundly negative thoughts those thoughts those feelings those emotions derive from Satan if there's ever been something that Satan has mastered he's mastered the ability to shoot fiery darts at people whether sinner or saint Satan can bring these thoughts these emotional impressions bring these feelings to a person uh, to skew their true ability to discern, to understand, to comprehend. And you know, we're, we're witnessing a world, and, and it's so subtle, we don't sometimes understand what's taking place. Division 
creates loneliness. And look at how divisive we have become as a nation. There's a reason for Satan creating the divisiveness so that people feel more abandoned, they feel more forsaken, they feel more alone all the time. I was thinking about the word devices. We have electronic devices. This has all been a means and a method to dehumanize humanity. Sex robots, dehumanizing humanity, taking away our our personage, who we are, what we are, our joy, uh, our 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 personality, uh, how we react, how we reflect, how our lives are formed, and the devil is using everything in the world to throw a curve into that. Paul said it like this in Second Corinthians two eleven: "Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." Regretfully, we are ignorant of Satan's devices. That's why it's so imperative for a person to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans eight fourteen. for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are called the sons of God. They're, they're the sons of God as long as they're being led by the Spirit of God. And of course, Satan found a way to sever man's relationship with God. He, he suffered man uh, to be cut off from God. He brought a, a means, a mode, a method through disobedience. And I look at our nation, and I, and, I, and I look at the divisiveness, how everything is becoming more and more and more divisive. That's, that's not by happenstance. That's not by mere coincidence. That is part of the plan of Satan. Because the more divided we become, the more isolated we become, the more isolated we become, the more lonely we become. We, uh, that, that's why solitude confinement, solitary confinement, I should, I should say, is it, so debilitating uh, to sequester people, put them in a place where there's no one there but themselves. If you'll go back through the Old Testament, and I find this absolutely amazing, there's only one record that I, I've ever read where God held someone in captivity in the Old Testament. Now, the, the heathen nations, the pagans, they all had prisons and they held people hostage. But I'm talking about God's program, God's method and means and modes. There's only one time where God put someone or sequestered them till they decided what they were going to do with them. But it was man. Uh, the heathens, the, the pagans that came up with this idea to, to, to create prisons and, and sequester people and cut them off from society. But even though we are not in prison, people are imprisoned by their own minds. They're held hostage by things, circumstances, uh, things of the past, especially things of the past. It's amazing how people become can become held hostage in their own minds, and they, they live in, in a place of torment, and they, they feel completely uh, isolated from everyone. As I said, they're in a room, they're working, they're talking, they're, they're interacting, but on the inside, they feel this separation, they feel this isolation, and even God said, it, it's not good that man should be alone. He looked at everything he had made, everything he had a helpmate, 
Everything had a companion. And, and I'm not talking about marriage. I know there'll be those who will email and say, well, you know, pray I get a wife, pray I get a husband. If you will just seek God, God will fill the void. God will fill the vacuity. God will fill the emptiness that's in your life. And then once you're full of Christ, then God can begin to bring those other things into your life. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God will add into your life the things that you need. But the the, the command is you must seek me first because God knows what's best for every one of us. There's not one of us tonight that knows better than God. God knows everything about every one of us. He, he numbered the hairs on your head today. So God knows absolutely what is best for you. But Satan, I, I've been watching this over the last two years or so, very, very closely. I've been observant, watching how more divisive you know, we have become as a nation. Well, he's on the left, he's on the right. Uh, he's liberal, he's conservative. You're finding this more and more evident. You're, you're, you're finding it being more uh, pronounced. It's being elaborated on. Uh, things are being said. Things are being done. And it's becoming more vivid. It's becoming more real. And, and this, is, this is Satan. Uh, the Bible says in, in the book of Acts, in the beginning God added to the church such as should be saved. Then it says God multiplied the church. Then when we get to the book, uh, chapter 6 in the book of Acts, it says there was a division among them. Satan did not waste time trying to divide. And I'm telling you, there's a reason why Satan seeks to divide us. Number one, unity brings power. A threefold cord is not easily broken. The, the more you, you could take enough uh, uh, popsicle sticks and bind them together, and they become profoundly strong, but you could snap one, you could snap two, but then put four together, five together, ten together. You get to a point it cannot be broken. Why? Because it is bound together. That's what brings power in the church, the body of Christ. And even the church, the church as we see it in the natural, the church is becoming divided. You know, that, that happened to the church at Corinth. One said, I'm of Paul. One said, I'm of Cephas, which was Peter. Another said, I'm of Apollos. They always, Satan's always seeking to divide us. Why? Because he knows if he can get us sequestered, get us into a place of isolationism, he can work on us and tear us down. He can, he can, he can, he can uh, bring us down, literally uh, cause us to wither. Uh, uh, depriving us of fellowship, depriving us of friendship. But the greatest uh, deprivation would be that of the Spirit of Christ. Uh, I've said this many times, especially concerning prayer. I've never got on my knees and prayed when I did not get up and felt better about my circumstance or my situation. My circumstance, my situation may have not changed one iota. It may not have changed one bit but I, my, myself, my, my person, I felt better about my situation because I had touched God. See, that's, that's the fellowship. That Even though I may not be touching or talking to people uh, with my eyes, I'm talking to God. 
I'm fellowshipping with God. I'm drawing from His presence. You know, some people can walk in a room and they can change the atmosphere for the better or for the worse. I've witnessed both in my ministry. Uh, I was I was witnessing to a, to a, to a guy one night. Matter of fact, I I he, I just did his wedding uh, about a year, well, not quite a year ago. Um, he was having marital strife, and I was in his home and in his garage and was talking to him, and he, and he was sharing with me how he and his wife were, were fighting terribly. And she came through the garage that night, and the the, the contention was so adamant. I mean, it was so powerful. It was so unyielding. You could feel it. And and the Lord spoke to my heart. And, 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 I, and I gave this guy, uh, he's now a Christian, I gave him a word. At the time, he wasn't by no means living right. And he went probably for, I don't know, 30 plus years and finally gave his heart to the Lord. He's, he's serving the Lord. And, uh, and I just did his wedding. Here, as I said, it was just just a few months, I believe now, if I can recall correctly. But here's what I here's what I shared with him that night. David said he's crying out to God in Psalms 13. He said, "How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me?" Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. And that's what I felt led of the Lord to give him. That was on Tuesday night. Thursday night, I called his house. And I noticed another lady's voice answered the phone. And... I said, is Tad there? And she said, yes, hold on. And Tad got on the phone. I said, did I catch you at a bad time? He said, have you not heard? I said, no. He said, Teresa got killed this morning at 4 a.m. Head on collision, she hit a tanker truck. Her body was burned beyond recognition. You, you talk about uh, a broken man, and, and and I witnessed the 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 contention, the strife, and and this set this guy back for for years, decades. He, he never remarried until just a few months ago, and he phoned me and he said, I, I've, I'm living for God. I think he's like 61 or 62 now. Met a beautiful lady whose husband was deceased, and and I did their wedding, and it was the most simple wedding I've probably ever done in my life, but there was so much love in that little church, in that wedding, because it was a godly thing. It was something that God himself had put together. My point in sharing that is things happen. And, and, and like David, he said, how long shall I take counsel having sorrow in my heart daily? In other words, he, David, we've all done this. We've all looked into the mirror and we've talked to ourselves. You know, we look in the mirror and we speak to ourselves. I've done it, Doug, you've done it, Joe, you've done it. We've all looked in the mirror and we've questioned ourselves. What's what's happening there? The spiritual man on the inside is looking at that carnal man on the outside and questioning 
the deeds, the actions, the behavior, the mannerisms. Why are you why are you doing this? And and I've called myself stupid. Are you stupid? Are you what are you doing? Because you see, that's what David meant when he said, I take counsel in my soul. The spiritual man always desires to do the right thing. But the fleshly man, the carnal man, he, 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 he's like a pit bull. He always wants to do the carnal thing. He wants to do the damaging thing. He wants to do the thing that's going to cause detriment. He never wants to do the right thing. Never. Your flesh never, ever wants to do the right thing. That's why you look in the mirror and you talk to yourself. Because the person that you're looking at is the person that's most of the time at fault. And so you're getting counsel. You're trying to get advice from the inner man, which is the spiritual man, to help you deal with your own problems. And, of course, God is the one that helps us when we cast our care. We cast our burdens upon him. First Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You see, God cares about us. Matter of fact, he cares more about us than we care for ourselves. But Satan right now is creating such divisiveness in our world, and that there's a reason for that. That's to get us lonely, to get us ostracized. There's some listening tonight. There's a handful of people listening tonight. You've, you've, you've thought about suicide today. It, it, it's come through your mind. There's a, there's a more restful, peaceful state and place. That's a lie. Don't ever let the devil put that in your heart, in your mind. That's not true. That's not true. I listened to Jim Caviezel the other, the other, uh, the other day uh, share part of his testimony. Two of his closest staff committed suicide. And he said he walked 500, I think he said 508 miles, praying, crying out to God, pleading with God, please have mercy. Because he, he understands that when you take your life, that's murder. And I, I don't know the state of any man's mind when they do that, or woman's mind when they do that. My point is, you can't get forgiveness once you go out into eternity. And, and that's why Jim Caviezel walked 500 plus miles praying, pleading with God for mercy. And I've said this many times because I've had to deal with it. The only person that can show mercy, the only person that can show grace at that point in time is God. Because that person has gone out into eternity. They're out into eternity and they're in the hands of an eternal God. And whatever God does will be just. No man has a right to condemn God because God is sovereign. God has eternity in the palm of his hand. He, Isaiah said he inhabits eternity. I can't fathom that. I can't grasp that. I, I can't get my mind around that. I, I can't do that. But, but God inhabits eternity. I have a beginning. I have an ending. God does not have a beginning. God does not have an ending. God's always, always has been and always will be. But see, Satan, this is why he wants to create isolationism. This is why he wants to cause divisiveness. He, he wants us to be so divided, and then he, 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 he uh, what's the word? He magnifies, he magnifies the loneliness. 
And then, then that loneliness allows him to shoot hundreds, if not thousands, of fiery darts saying all sorts of lies. I mean, Satan is a liar. Jesus said in John 8, 44, he was a murderer from the beginning and abode in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Those of you that are listening to that voice, that is a lie. That that Satan speaks to you is an absolute lie. There's no truth in it. He says you'll be better off. Things will be different. No, it, it will be worse. It will be worse. And then you 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 leave behind an enormous amount of wreckage. And those that are left behind, they have to deal with that. The person that commits suicide is gone. God have mercy on them when they go out into eternity in that state. But the people that are left behind, they have to deal with that. I want to share from Psalms 142. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they probably laid a snare for me. Satan will lay a snare for you, and he will hide it. When he's talking about privately, he's talking about he's contriving something to lay a snare for you. David said, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. That's what I was talking about, being held captive to your mind, a prisoner of your own mind. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteousness shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Even in David's darkest hours, he knew if he could commune and fellowship and talk with God. You see, even his prayer changed. He said, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. But he says, before that, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Sometimes we get so isolated, we get so alone, that's, that's, how, that's how we perceive everything in our lives. God is not here. I'm alone. My refuge has failed me. No man cares for my soul. But as a child of God, you have to look to the Lord. You have to look to the Lord. I've, I've been there. If you've been a Christian long enough, if you've served God long enough, the devil will tell you a lie. He'll even tell you that you're not even redeemed. You're not even covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That all this is a joke. This is a farce. This whole thing, this whole thing is, 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 is not real. But it is. 
the very fact that, that you would even be caught debating it is proof enough and evidence enough that there is a God. Isaiah 4, verse 6 says this, And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat, and for a place of refuge and for a covert from storm and from rain. When Satan beats on you emotionally and mentally, even physically, God says, I'll be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat. When the heat of adversity is breathing down your neck, God says, wait just a minute. That's what he was for Israel. That was what that, that's what that cloud was for the day. That cloud during the day protected them from the sun rays, physically blistering and burning them. And then at night, it was a pillar of fire to give them heat, to give them light. You see, God was going to protect them no matter what. See? And then, then, and then Isaiah says, the tabernacle is for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge. A refuge is a, is a place to retreat. It is a shelter. We, we seek shelter when storms come. If we're, we're outside, we, we, we're, we're going down the road and we get into a hailstorm. We're trying to find a bridge, an overpass, a, 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 an awning to pull under. Why? We're looking for a shelter. Well, the storms of life can become so tempestuous. The shelter is none other than Jesus Christ. He's our refuge. He's our shelter. And, of course, Isaiah says, and, and, and for a covert from storm and from rain. Getting under the hand of God is a place of refuge, a place of shelter, a place of protection. And this is why we've got to run to him. You know, and regretfully today, so many people, they, they're, they're, they're trying to deal with their problems, and they think, well, the, the, the alcohol, the bottle, that, that, that'll, that'll soothe my feelings, or, or drugs. And, and, and I, I was talking to a lady just the other day, and uh, uh, the doctor put her on psychotropic drugs, and she got so upset, she says, I don't even know who I am anymore. And I told her, I said, it's the drugs. The drugs are messing with your mind. They're, 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 they're distorting who you truly are. You wouldn't understand Lowe's if you had never been high. When I say high, I'm not talking about inebriated or on drugs. I'm talking about an emotional good feeling. Feeling good about today. Feeling good about tomorrow. Life is good. Or you, you, you wouldn't understand sorrow and pain and suffering if you, if you had never been on the mountaintop and felt good about things. You've you got to experience both to appreciate and understand the other. But, but to try to numb the reality, that's what people do today. They're, they're looking for a way of escape. But, you know, when you get through doing all the drinking and all the drugs and, and all the things that people do, when you wake up in the morning, when you start back out tomorrow, nothing in your world has fundamentally changed. The problems are still there. This is, this is why I can't emphasize enough about relationship with Christ, fellowshipping with him, you know, uh, praying, reading your Bible. You know, putting on some good gospel music that would edify uh, and build up the spiritual man. Because we're, we're being lambasted every day from someone or something. And 
I, I watch what they're, they're this this is all on purpose. This is all for for dividing because you divide and then you conquer. And, and Satan knows exactly what he's doing. And regretfully, he, it's affecting a lot of Christian people. And we shouldn't be allowing that in our lives. You know, that's why Paul talked about love, charity. The greatest of these is love. When you have the right kind of love for God, it will. It's astounding how different things in life really look like. I, I know negative people. You know, everything they see, everything they hear, everything they do, negative, negative, negative. After a while, you you wear yourself down. I mean, Satan's sitting over there, clapping his hands, laughing, hee hawing, and saying, "Look where, look at the state and place and state of mind I have these people." When when they if they only knew who Jesus was, they would know he's greater than the problems. He's greater than the difficulty. Storms always pass. During the storm, during the adversity, it can seem insurmountable. It, it, it can seem very troublesome. You know, I think next week there's a great potential of some bad storms coming across America, literal physical storms. And when you're in that storm, when you're in that storm, it's it's life or death for some people. It's that crucial. Tornadoes, hail the size of softballs. It's that crucial. Once once the storm passes, you know what happens? The sun begins to shine. The rays of light begin to beam through the clouds. Can I tell you the sun was always there? It didn't go anywhere. The storm got between the sun and us. And it made everything look dark and lifeless and listless and dead and then all the noise that's the thing about a storm every storm has unfathomable noises you know you hear people say like locomotives or or a, a train or an engine or just all sorts of sounds and and, and see that, that that's the enemy that's the enemy satan will bring sounds you will hear things that are disruptive you will hear things that are damaging. You know, Satan knows how to damage us. He knows how to harm us. He knows how to injure us. So he, he creates these these unfathomable storms, and they, they come against us. And you know what happens to us most of the time? And we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. We magnify the storm. We make the storm bigger than what it really was. And this has been a really uh, a hard winter. It seems like it just doesn't want to uh, you know, turn loose. But we, we, we look like we're going to get out of the uh, winter into spring, and we get knocked back again in the 30s at night. And I know a lot of you are having worse uh, cold than that. And, and we're already well into spring. Satan wants us to magnify all the bad stuff. And, and he, he watches... Satan watches how we respond. If it's working, he just intensifies what he's doing. You know, it's kind of like a power washer, a pressure washer. You know, you see a little bit of pressure is doing good. You turn it up and get more pressure, so it'll do better and more and more. And you can get a pressure washer with such pressure, you can blow shingles off of the house. You can pressure wash shingles off of a house. You can blow paint off a car. You know, you could take it down to the bare metal. Pressure, pressure, adversity. See, this is Satan's means, his mode, his method, pressure. And and, 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 and that's really what the word 
great tribulation mean? This means pressure, tribulation. The Greek word is thalipsis. It's pressure. And so what compounds, what magnifies that is when the devil gets you sequestered and gets you all alone, and then he turns up the pressure. He turns up the pressure when you're by yourself, when you're all alone. And then all of these sordid, morbid thoughts begin to go through the mind. And Satan, Satan is sitting there rejoicing in how you're reacting. You know, I, I, I told someone the other day, they were, they, were, they were struggling about what to do. And, and I gave them Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I'm God. If you do something when you don't know what to do, what you're doing then has got to be wrong. You think about what I just said. If you don't know what to do, and you do anything, it has to be wrong, because you just admitted you didn't know what to do. Somebody called me the other day and left me a message. Said, would you please call me back and tell me what to do? Well, unless God gave me a particular word for someone, I would never tell anybody what to do. I'm not in your shoes. I don't know the circumstances. I don't know all the details. I find more times than not, People are in the situation they're in because they took themselves in that direction. They stayed in that situation when they knew to have gotten out of it, but they still tarried. They still stayed. That's one of the great statements in the uh, in the book of Genesis when the angels were trying their best to get Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 19 and 16 says, And while he lingered... The men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. Think about that. And while he lingered, God has sent angels, and, he's, and the angels told him, we're going to destroy this place. Why would you linger? But that's what Lot did. He lingered, and, and he's on the precipice of utter destruction. Sometimes God is trying to get us out of a situation. And what we're doing, we're laudering. We're lingering just like Lot. We're just hanging around. And from the outside looking in, you would say, why are you doing that? Hurry, get out, move. But see, the devil is a liar. And he's telling you, it's all right. It's not that dangerous. When it's, when it's so dangerous, it's unbelievable. And that's where Satan wants to get every one of us in a position. And what ultimately ends up being is a place of compromise. A place of compromise. People all the time say, well, compromise is a good word. I heard Obama. I heard Barbara Bush say it. I, I heard many senators. It's a good word. Well, look it up in the dictionary. He compromised his reputation by being seen with so-and-so person. Oh, well, in that context, compromise is bad. Compromise is always bad. We just don't like to admit it. We don't like to admit it. But when you compromise, you lose something that you didn't want to give up. That's why we have the word compromise. You're giving up something that you were determined to hold on to. See, I'm not, I'm not budging. You set a price on a vehicle, and the person weighs the cash in the face, and you say, well, I, I'll take it then. Go ahead. You compromised. You said you were going to hold out. You were going to resist capitulating. You were going to resist in giving in. But then you compromised. And then when you compromised, you gave up something 
that you really didn't want to give up, but you're trying to make yourself feel good. See, that's that's one of that's one of Americans' worst downfalls is we're trying to make ourselves feel good about something or a circumstance or a situation, a relationship. That's when you get in trouble. That's when you get in trouble. Trying to make yourself feel good about the poor decision that you know you made. You know you made a poor decision. But you're trying to pacify that decision. You're, you're, you're trying to convince yourself it's, it's, it's not that bad. Yeah, I shouldn't have done it, but it's not that bad. That's where compromise comes in. David said, my integrity hath preserved me. You know, it's been said, what is it? The question, what is integrity? It's what you're doing when nobody's looking. A man that has integrity still does the right thing when no one is looking. And everyone, every one of us, at some time or another, have been alone. And it's, it's in times of loneliness, it's in times of despair that we are looking for a way out. Sometimes people take a bottle, sometimes they take a, a drug, they, they look for some way out. That's not the way out. The way out is Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of Paul in Second Timothy 4 and 14. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Now think about what I just shared there. Paul the Apostle wrote 13 epistles, and he said, No man stood with me. All men forsook me. Well, you know, you would think as anointed and dynamic a man and apostle that Paul was, everyone would have been around him. But the problem in being around him was persecution, adversity, shipwreck, stonings, perils here, perils there, perils of robbers, perils of countrymen, just one peril after another. And so Paul said, they all forsook me. Notwithstanding, he said, the Lord stood with me and strengthen me. You see, my, my job is to encourage, to edify, to strengthen. My job is to always tell the truth, especially when it comes to a message, ministering to the people of God. There's times I can't be there. There are times I can't share your burden. I can't, I can't bear the load. But Jesus Christ is the one that always has the wherewithal to bear the burden, to carry the load. I don't have it. And there'll be times in your Christian pilgrimage, you'll find yourself alone, ostracized, nobody's, nobody's, nobody's calling you, nobody's checking in on you to see how you're doing. It's just you and God. And, and, and you're not the only person in the Bible that's ever found themselves in that state, that place, that position, that particular posture. So many times in the scriptures, there have been those that found themselves totally alone, but God was there. That's why I love Genesis chapter 39. Three times 
In Genesis chapter 39, I'll share the verses. It talks about Joseph. Genesis 39, verses 1 and 2. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. You may not think you're prosperous, but if the Lord is with you, you are prosperous. Genesis 39 and 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. He was in prison and God gave him favor with the jailer. Verse 23, Genesis 39, 23. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. In other words, the, the keeper of the prisoner, or excuse me, the keeper of the prison made Joseph the prisoner ruler in the prison. Why? Because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Everything that Joseph did, it looked as though he was alone, but he was never alone. Hebrews 13, 5 says, let your conversation, the word conversation, anytime you read the word conversation in the, in the New Testament Greek, it means your lifestyle. Let your conversation, let your lifestyle be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's a promise. God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But the voice of the enemy says, You're alone. No one is here. That's not true. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. This is God's promise. See? And, and I think it was last week or week before we shared from Psalms 37, 25. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You've heard me say this. It's, it's terrible to fall as a Christian. It's terrible to backslide as a Christian. But what's worse than that is staying there. you got to get up. you got to get up. Dust yourself off. Say, God, I'm sorry. I did fail you, but I'm, I'm, I'm going on. You know, I'm going on. These are these are what we call battle scars. Every time we we err, every time we fail, God, every time we fall, we falter. Those are those are indicators that yes, we have fallen. But as I said, it's a worse thing to stay there. Get up, get up, because God is a God of mercy. It's like a child. A child falls a lot when they're starting to learn to walk, and most kids begin to learn to walk about the tenth month. And 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 you've seen, we've all seen children, the ten months old, they get to walking and they get to going faster because their body weight is is, is heavier than their legs, and the, the the momentum, and and they start running, but then all of a sudden they fall. But do they stay there? No, they don't. As a child, something in them says, get up. Get up and do it again. 
and they keep on. And you know what they learn to do? They learn to walk, and then they learn to run. And as they grow, the agility becomes unbelievable, the athleticism of some kids, you know, in sports. But look at them when they first start to walk, how clumsy. Uh, It's like they have no stability. But that's growth. That's maturity. And in this journey, there are times you, you feel, hey, nobody cares. Nobody loves me. I'm by myself. That's not true. God said he would never leave you, he would never forsake you, but he would be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. The word world there in the Greek is age. God is going to be with us because we're still held captive to this earthen clay jar. I'll be with you till the end of this age. When he returns, we receive the glorified bodies. Then, then, then there won't be any falling. There won't be any stumbling. You, you'll never feel forsaken. And, and, and the truth is, you're never, ever alone. Now, the devil will make you believe that. But the truth is, if God says, I'm never going to leave you, how can you be alone? You can't. You know, the Lord is, is, is always just a, a prayer away. Just, just, just a a moment of prayer, a, a a a a time of just saying, "Lord, help me, help me." You know, David said, "This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble." Psalms thirty four and six. You know, if you're called out to God, God will help you. And, and I want to encourage you tonight in closing. I, I want you to get this in your heart. You're not alone. He's with you. He abides in you. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, He took up a place of residence in your heart. He won't leave you. You'll be the one that leaves Him. He will never, ever leave you. You will be the one who will say, I'm going here, and I'm not taking Him with me. I'm going to the bar. I'm going to the the, 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 the house of prostitution. I'm, I'm going to the gambling casino. You're leaving Him, and you're going to that other place. He won't leave you. You leave him. Because he'd be a liar. Because he said, I'll never leave you. God's never left any man. It's that men or women have left God behind and said, I'm going on without him. I don't I don't I don't like this life anymore. Being a Christian is not fulfilling. That 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 is that's the most unbelievable statement. And I've heard it, you know. Being a Christian is the most fulfilling life that there ever has been and will ever be because it's a life of faith. You never know from one day to the next where God's going to take you, who God's going to bring into your life, who God may take out of your life. And we sometimes get hurt when God takes someone out of our lives. But I'm telling you, God knows what's best. God knows what's best. You say, it ain't worth it. I want that person. I want that relationship. Let God's will be done. Because God knows what's best. Because it, it it could be so devastating to disobey God and get your way. You may get your way. The prodigal son got everything he wanted. But he found himself at the hog pen eating the same food, the husk that the hogs were eating, and, and, and he, he, but he came to his senses. That's the great thing. He came to his senses. He understood. He realized. He said, I'm not worthy to be called a son anymore. I'll just go home and say, make me a hired servant. 
But you see, that's that's why we, we I believe a man can backslide. He was still that man's son. The prodigal was still the man's son, but he was backslidden. He was away from God, but he came home. He reconciled. He made it right, and he was restored to sonship. See, but he 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 was so condescending, so demeaning of his own self. He said, "I'm not worthy to be called a son anymore. Just make me a servant. Make me a slave." And I'll be I'll be content with that. But you see, he was restored to sonship immediately. What's even worse than that, though, the brother that stayed there at home had bitterness and unforgiveness in his heart when the prodigal son came home. Not everybody will love you when you come back home, but don't worry about that. The main thing is the father will love you because you've come back to him. So I want to encourage those of you tonight who feel alone. Hey, God's with you. He won't leave you. Just want to jump in here and let you know, uh, probably within the 10 minutes of you getting into this topic, we got a, a few emails. Uh, one, uh, I'm not going to get into the name, but she, she says that uh, I was, I heard what he was talking about from the other room, and it's exactly uh, about me and my situation. So I came to where my computer was, and then she goes through her story. And then she says, God is speaking to me through Pastor Langford right now. Thank you for the show thank you so much so just to let you know and give you some encouragement that there are people out there uh, who felt that message was specifically for them and wanted to uh, express their gratitude well thank you i know that there are always those out there who are in need and i know as a human being we say god speak to me and and that's how god speaks to us before we leave tonight i had a lady email me um wants us to join her I think she was from Australia uh, May the 6th Sunday, May the 6th uh, 2018 this year a day of prayer, International Day of Prayer uh, for all missing children uh, so I would encourage people to pray for the, those that have been brought into uh, pedophilia and all of these sordid things and those children are alone and they don't deserve that, that's the enemy who's taken them captive and uh, you know if if something happens to them they're going to go on to be with the Lord but the, 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 the that, that's the wages of sin folks that's the wages of sin uh, and, and that's why it's important for us to pray one other thing uh, Ron is asking me to make sure mention that people can follow us on Twitter Facebook Instagram YouTube GodTube and Blog Talk Radio and uh, Joe Doug thank you for allowing me the, the Wednesday evenings to, to share the Word of God and to speak to people's hearts. Pastor, thank you for being there and speaking to people, speaking to us. It's always a timely, important message, and I'm glad to hear Twitter, Facebook, social networking platforms, all accessible via uh, your website, voiceofevangelism.com, and... Um, uh, from, from their jumping point to the social networking platforms. So thank you so very much, Pastor, for everything you've done. And uh, I, I wish you a, a good night and a good rest of the week. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week. And everyone be blessed the remainder of this week. Good night. You right, as well, sir. Pastor. Good night. All right. Bye-bye. Wow. Wow. You'd what a message. A, absolutely. was. And so many people deal with, uh, you know, being lonely and, and being alone and, uh, 
that can get to you over time. You could be uh, in a crowded room, but still be alone. Yeah, feel alone. And you get things like the the anxiety and the depression that comes with that, and it's a vicious cycle. So we keep everybody in our prayers who are uh, suffers that. I want to throw this headline out here just before we close. This just came out this afternoon. Uh, A judge ruled that bars are allowed to throw out Trump supporters. Remember. A few of the instances of I people do. who were wearing mag, MAGA yes. hats who were yes. tossed out of bars. Well, Manhattan we judge yep. today ruled that there's nothing outrageous about throwing the president's supporters out of bars because the law doesn't protect against political discrimination. All right. So so any Hillary or, or uh, Bernie supporters, uh, we're going to throw out of the studio. If there are any that do come in here, that, that make it in here um, upright. <laughs> See, it's only discrimination... When you're discriminating against their point of view or That's their right. ideology, but when you know it's, the shoe's on the other foot, no, it, it, it's perfectly legal because you know there's nothing against political discrimination. These people are insane. Wow, man! I'll tell you what. Yeah, it's uh, the, the storm is here, and it it it, it it's going to be a. I'm telling you, blood will blood will be in the streets. I really truly believe this is where we're headed. You know, for all of the things, Joe. It's um, mm-hmm. the and, and and Matt Bracken said something, or, or maybe it was Floyd Brown. Um, this what we're seeing today is Obama's legacy. It's a legacy of division. It's a legacy of black versus white, of Muslim versus everyone else. It's um, the income uh, uh, chasm. The, the all of the all of the everything, everything. It, it, it's oh, it, it, in my view, Obama really cultivated this environment of division. Yeah. That's his legacy. And when Donald Trump got in office, it was it's it's kinda like a it's kinda like a a a, a tanker truck going down the road out of control. You're not gonna stop it, you know, it's it's just it's gonna keep going and going until something really bad happens. But that's my my own point of view. Until tomorrow. By the way, uh nine o'clock, join me. Part two, I believe, of the uh, the section of the Awan criminal conspiracy, and then two to three, Joe and John flagship show tomorrow night, seven p.m. right here, Gold Star Radio Network. Back on video, and uh, yeah, we'll be back on video. And thank you for every for all of your support. Have a good night, everyone. 